Welcome to Holeback Rack Podcast. My name is Jessica Hare. I operate Hare Hollow Farm, and we breed boas, balls, and select colubrids. Hi, I'm Jenna King. I operate ASM Royal Tails, and I breed high-end ball pythons. We want to share our journey navigating herpetoculture and are dedicated to promoting biohazard safety for all species. And we would love you to answer the question, what's in your holdback rack? Welcome to episode 20. Jana's here. And Hi. let's see if I remember how to pronounce her name. Kayla Mayo? Mayonnaise? Mayonnaise. May you. I tried a like, little may bit. May you please. May you yes. please. May you please. Of Jube Jube Snake fame. We're here to talk about snake stuff and not World War Three. My <laughs> least favorite topic currently. <laughs> How are you doing, Kayla, to this morning? Good. 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 You know, <laughs> it was a great, great intro previously to this. So <laughs> I was like, did you record any of that? I did, but uh, okay. I don't know. It's hard. You probably shouldn't post. You probably shouldn't post it. But. Right. <laughs> well, Sometimes I'll snill. I'll st- I'll still like B roll out of it and hide it at the very end of the podcast after the song. And then if true listener listens to the dumb song at the end, they'll hear like me talk about our whatever. But I think we'll just slot that out. So we'll have like a whatever. This time will be a coherent ish. <laughs> you know us narrative. Um, It'll be fine. Yeah, we're doing great. We're good so far. <laughs> So let's go back to the beginning, because everybody starts at the beginning. That's how stories start. How did you get into the reptile hobby? Okay, it's pretty much like the dumbest way possible. <laughs> like most people are like, oh yeah, I got into it like as a kid, blah, blah, blah. Um, I had horses growing up, so reptiles weren't really on the radar. And then I moved into the fancy goldfish hobby. So I had like show goldfish for like, 10 or 11 years. And then once my my favorite goldfish gobbles passed away, I, w- I was like, okay, you know, maybe it's time to move to something else. So I started just joining a few pet groups and seeing, you know, what was out there. I like to do my research before I go and buy something, obviously. And I joined this meme group called Snack the Hissing Booth. And it had like 52,000 people in it just all posting stupid memes of ball pythons. And I was like, this was years and years and years ago. And I'm like, what are these? Like, they're so adorable looking. (laughs) So pretty much getting blasted full of ball python memes with their adorable snoots. And then in conjunction, looking up how ball pythons make great pets made me want to get a ball python. That led to me getting Jube Jube. Oh my so god. He is, like, the, he is the original. He is the original. He's the OG gangster of YouTube oh, and friends squads. Th- this was like way more than like six years ago. Like, I don't even know. Pro- probably closer to like eight or nine. But we reached out to a breeder and I pretty much just asked him if he had a good beginner ball python that wasn't going to eat my hand when I put my <laughs> hand in with it. <laughs> It's and a good criteria. Said, yeah, he's like, oh, I have the perfect one. He said, like, he's an older snake. He was one of my first snakes that, like, ever came into my collection. But he said he's very, like, stoic, and he doesn't have a lot of personality. And I said, okay. So that breeder actually drove to our house. Just he came. He made sure our setup was correct and everything. And That's he dropped amazing. you. 
Yeah, he dropped Jubjub off, and I had never actually seen Jubjub until he dropped him off. And I remember opening up the little tub that Jubjub was in, and he looked at me, and I immediately, it was just like, love. I'm like, wow, I love you. <laughs> and Aww. that started the whole the whole hobby. And he was probably the least personable ball python. When we first got him, he just, he hated everything. Like, he would put up with you, but he wasn't thrilled to be with you we all have ball pythons like this right for sure they're like angry cats like. yeah and he he would never bite you but he wasn't particularly thrilled that you were even looking at him and now over the course of like how long i've had him from all the stuff that i post on instagram like he is literally my most personable snake he's hilarious say, he has a huge personality <laughs> It's he, funny that you were like, he had no personality when literally he's like famous for his personality. Yeah, he had absolutely none. He like he was probably the world's most boring ball python when I first got him. And he was so shy, you couldn't even put your hand near his head. He would just like fling it backwards. Um, and now I can do whatever I want to him. Like he's, yeah, he's, when people say that you, you can't bond with reptiles, I argue that just based on what I've seen with myself and Jubjube, because he's turned out to be such a great animal over the course of the time that I've had him. Yeah, my nine-year-old fiercely debates this topic about how you can't bond and have a relationship with reptiles. She is a firm believer that that you can have a bond with them. And even if we, like, they don't have that part of their brain, they can't bond. And she was like, maybe we just don't understand where in their brain they create bonds she's like but in her own personal experience like she has a very strong bond and she's seen other people bond with them and so she's like that is fake news i do not believe it <laughs> i think it's extremely different than when you're talking about bonding with like a cat or a dog but i For think sure. that these animals can definitely learn how to trust you they smell you they know that you're not going to hurt them and they, they kind of know that like you're their person looking after them I, of course, like, I wouldn't say, oh, you know, Jubjub's a dog. I can be like, come here, Jubjub. Like, <laughs> you'll, you'll run over. As strong of a relationship that you can have with an animal, that would be me and Jubjub. I absolutely love him. There would be no amount of money in the entire world that someone could give me that I would ever go, yes, you know, I'll trade you that amount of money for Jubjub. <laughs> right. He's, he's a member of the family. Yes, he is my, he is my absolute love, the love of my life. Sorry, hu sorry, husband. <laughs> Dang it. <laughs> Nobody needs men when they have snakes. <laughs> right. It's true. So you just started to get more sort of over that six year period, more ball pythons? Yeah. So basically, I had always really liked pied. So for my first ball python, I knew that it was important that I just had a snake that I could be comfortable with and learn with. So that's what I did. You know, I had Jubjub for more than a year before I ended up uh, getting cinnamon bun and cinnamon bun was my dream pied. And I ended up going and picking him out. He was an, like an older snake, quite old, like, you know, <laughs> in his teens. Right. And he was an owner surrender. So he had been dropped off at uh, a breeder friend that I had had made. And the breeder friend, you know, had pretty much just left him in his exoterra that he had gotten dropped off in. And he said, you know, I have a, a pied here that's literally huge. He said it's a big, thick old pied. 
and would you like this snake? And this was right before we left for Christmas holidays. And I remember we went down to see the snake and on our way to going to see our family for the holidays. And I remember looking at Kyle and I was like, Kyle, this is the one. Like, this is the pied. And Kyle was like, absolutely not. <laughs> we are not getting another ball python. He said, you already have Jujube. And I said, yeah, but, and then I like, I like held him up and I'm like, but look at him. And that <laughs> but look at his face. Yeah, look at his face. And that didn't work. So we went, <laughs> we went home. We went like home in quotations to, to our parents uh, for the holidays. And Kyle ended up getting into the booze on New Year's Eve. And I just kept like progressively giving him more drinks. And I was like, hey, Kyle, <laughs> you know that pied? <laughs> And he, you know, he was a few deep at that point. And he's like, oh, yeah, the pied. And I said, I'm, I'm going to go get it, though. I said, I'm going to go buy it. And he's like, okay, you do whatever you need to do. And that's how I got cinnamon <laughs> bun. <laughs> that was awesome strategy right there. <laughs> yeah. So then we, we brought cinnamon bun home. And it was just him and Jujube for years and years and years. And then 2019 was really the year that I started going like deep into the ball pythons. I was like, wow, I'm very into these. I want them all. Got to catch them all. <laughs> Load them up. Can't and just have two. Yep. Yeah, you can't have two. We ended up getting Kyle his first ball python. And it turned out to be like one of those nightmare snakes that like is just horrible when you reach into its enclosure. And it's just like, Meh. very defensive. So then we traded him for a an adult banana named that we named Banana. So our third snake was Banana from our friends at KB Reptiles. We absolutely love them. Then it, it just went downhill from there. We got a rack system after that, and it was game over once we got the rack system. It was like, uh-oh. Oh, now we have to fill it. <laughs> yeah. Well, we got the rest. So we got our, the first rack that I ever had was my 41 quart and it had seven bins. And I convinced Kyle to split this PVC rack with me. And he said that he would under the pretense that we did not immediately fill it up with any snakes. He said, I just want it to be a quarantine for the, the like, if, you know, we're cleaning a bin and we need to put a, a snake in it for a day or two for like cinnamon bun, jujube and banana. And I said, okay, no problem. We got the rack <laughs> and I kid you not, the next day I went out and bought Madam S'mores. <laughs> oh no. There you go. <laughs> oh, I totally, I, I totally thought, yep. <laughs> so why is it that the second snake is always so hard to sell, but the 10th snake, they're just like, by that point, they're used to it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> So anyway, yeah, he, he did give me hack for bringing home Madam S'mores. He was like, you can't bring home snakes without talking to me first. So now when I bring home snakes, I tell him it's coming home. And that's like, it's me talking to him about it. <laughs> I just let you know, here's your just little memo. This is happening. <laughs> and you have no ambitions to breed or whatever. So these are all just pets. Is that correct? So we or do at, the, at this point. So I was say you're new girls that you got from the US. Yeah, so that's that's kind of what I'm leading into. So we got Madam S'mores and then we got Luke Snackwalker, uh Lucas's Kyle's snake that we went and picked out for him and he's one of my top favorites. Love him. And all of these snakes that we were bringing in were essentially just like retired breeders. 
So they were older snakes that, you know, breeders had been just didn't have a use for anymore. And they wanted them to go live somewhere nice in quotations. Or they, you know, they were just a lot of breeder males. (laughs) Madam S'mores was our lone female for a very long time. And then I kind of decided, I love this so much. I already run my own business as a full-time job. I run a convention business selling, like, video game merchandise. So I said, like, what would be the harm in starting up another business? (laughs) We could just start up a reptile thing. So I kind of started up Jubejube and Friends more so as a thing to help new keepers with their husbandry because I find with the ball pythons, I don't know if it's like this in other communities. I I always tell people I will never give husbandry advice on any other species because I know nothing about them. But I pride myself on being extremely educated with Python Regis. And I'm like, you know, there are so many different groups that one group over here is telling you to keep them in four feet by two feet by two feet. And then we have another group that's like, keep them in 10 gallons for their entire life. And I said, it's, it's very frustrating for new keepers coming into the hobby that they can't just go, here's what I've got right now. How do we work with this? Because everyone has a differing opinion. So that's what I tried to make Jubejube and Friends into at first was more so just a place that people could come and feel comfortable talking about husbandry and what they needed to do to correct their husbandry for their animals. At this point, I feel like it's important that we have breeders that are actively talking about the nidovirus issue that are knowledgeable about like cryptosporidium, arena virus, all of that stuff. So I said, why not breed on a small scale, have an entire collection that's nido free, and then people can buy from us and be assured that what they're getting is a healthy animal because it doesn't transmit vertically. And we've tested every single snake in our collection multiple times so we know that we're providing you a healthy animal and that that's really the end goal of where i want jubejube and friends to be at i would like to focus on the tsk xanthix um because i think black and white ball pythons are amazing and i would like to provide beautiful good quality animals that are healthy so that people don't have to go through what i went through nice Absolutely. That leads really nicely into our second question, which is, what is your Nido story? Oh, the Nido story. So in 2019, as I said, we were buying snakes. And we weren't like going out like some people and buying like 10 at a time. But we were getting, you know, like a few snakes. I think we bought like four snakes for the entire year. And that was a lot of snakes for, for us. So we had bought Madam S'mores, Lucas. We bought Popsicle, the Dream Sickle. And then we bought Darth, our Cinnamon Casper. He was our last snake that we bought in 2019. So we got him at an expo in September of 2019. We brought him home, did the typical quarantine. And at this point, I had no idea that Nidovirus existed. Because this is not something, even when I went to the expo yesterday and I purchased a snake at the expo and I asked the breeder, are you okay if I test this animal for nidovirus and what happens if this animal comes back positive? And he didn't really know anything about nido. And this is with me pushing this topic so hard. And we still have breeders who just, they don't know anything about it because it's very like it's it's not really discussed as much as it should be in the community. 
And I find that the Green Tree people, they they really talk about it. The retic community really talks about it. But the ball python people are just like, no, we're, we're not going to do anything. <laughs> just keep keep going. It's keep a very taboo. Money. It's a very taboo campfire ghost story is how it's played off. It is. Or, so, I mean, yeah. or they you, don't even you, know what it is at all, which is the other well, option. It, and that was that was the thing. Like he had boas. He had heard of arena virus because we talked about that. And, but the Nido virus, he said, I've never had anyone ask me that question before. And he he agreed. Like if if the animal came back positive, no problem. He's like, we'll discuss it. So that well made me feel good about buying it. And it's a juvenile. I think it'll it, it's not going to pop positive. It's just crazy to me that there are still so many people that don't know about this, especially when I feel like all I do is is vomit Nido virus information <laughs> to everybody. I'm like Nido virus. <laughs> Like, you know, there's still people, they just, they don't know. And so for us, we had no idea. We thought we were quarantining for the typical mites and any prevalent RI symptoms. So like the snake, you know, open mouth breathing, having a lot of mucus, all of that stuff. And we never saw that with this animal. So we had him in our 41 court quarantine for months. He was perfectly healthy. So we moved him into an exoterra because we were like, you know, okay, cool. You're good. We'll still keep you on your own, which was so good. Thank goodness. He did not go into one of our rack systems with all the other snakes, but right. he went into an ex, a glass exoterra beside guess who cinnamon bun. So him and cinnamon bun were directly beside each other. And unfortunately cinnamon bun happened to be our dumpster snake. So, Darth had always been on live. He was an adult. And we were having kind of a heck of a time transitioning him onto Frozen Thawed. And I would literally leave his Frozen Thawed rat like in there underneath the ceramic heat emitter, like sitting on his hide, sitting inside his hide. And once every two weeks, he'd eat it and then he wouldn't eat it. So we didn't know any rat that he rejected went to Cinnamon Bun. We just, we were like, okay, you didn't eat it, you know, but you look fine. We'll give it to Cinnamon Bun. And I'll never stop blaming myself for it. Because well, it's I, almost I was... encouraged. Like, don't waste the life of the rat. Give it to your dumpster snake who you know is always going to eat it. Because no one's talking about Nido. No one says don't cross-contaminate the food. Like, that is not talked about anywhere. No, nowhere. Like, even when I went to the facility that I got Darth from. If one snake didn't eat a live rat within 10 minutes, he just pick it, pick up the rat and throw it in another bin and close the bin. And that, like that nobody cares about biosecurity with this stuff. So I didn't think anything of it. You know, I took the rat out and I would blow dry it again. And I said, Oh, you know, anything that would be on the rat, I'd blow dry it and the heat would kill it. Of course not. So then I gave it to cinnamon bun. I kind of noticed in the summer, you know, we'd been blasting cinnamon bun with these rats for months. And I noticed in the summer, cinnamon bun was, I just told Kyle, I said, you know, he doesn't really look like he has anything wrong with him. But I said, he's just acting like really lethargic. And I said, because I, I know the snakes very well. I spend a lot of time with them. And I said, there's something off with cinnamon bun. Kyle said, well, he said, I don't think so. Like, maybe he's just getting old because he was getting pretty old at this point. Like, he was up there. He was in his late teens. And I said, maybe, maybe not. So September of 2020 was when we got our huge, like, freedom breeder enclosures. 
So like those big, like 50 inch by 30 inch bins. Mm-hmm. And which are amazing. Thank you. I, I had a lot of controversy because I was the first person to ever do something like this with making these like big rack systems into almost like a PVC setup. Because really, like they're PVC huge bin, it's the same thing. Like, I don't know. Right, yours is like a stacked viv set, but easier. Yeah, it's the same thing except with UVB, but that's a whole other topic. But anyways, all of these snakes are retired breeders. So I thought this is a good option for them. They'll still feel comfortable. It's a rack, but it gives them a lot of room to explore and lots of hides and all of that. I transitioned all of the snakes into the into the Freedom Breeders in September of 2021. Or sorry, uh, September 2020. Apologies. And I had a lot of controversy from people saying that they were going to get sick, that they weren't going to eat, blah, blah, blah. So imagine my surprise when Cinnamon Bun, three weeks after us moving him, came down with the worst RI I've ever seen. We had never had RIs in our collection ever. Like, I'd never even seen one. But I checked their mouths, you know, once a month just to make sure there's no abscesses or anything going on. And he was sick, like so, so sick. Yeah, so I do the the mouth checks fairly frequently just because I use forest floor as well. So I want to make sure they don't have any like little pointy things stuck in their mouths or anything, anything like that. So long story short, he was super sick with an RI. He was open mouth breathing, had the drool, the excess mucus, everything. We took him to a vet. Vet didn't. The first vet we went to really had no idea what they were doing. They prescribed him ceftazidime for three weeks. We got to week two and the snake was so, so bad. I literally thought he was going to die. So I went to a different vet because the ceftazidime was just doing nothing. And I took both snakes to a different vet. And I said, I took Darth as well, because um, after that two weeks of cinnamon bun being on medication, Darth started to get a lot of excess clear saliva and that snake had always had a little bit of excess clear saliva but it was nothing like that i would be concerned about i even reached out to the breeder and he wrote me back and said it's your humidity (laughs) which which it's not but okay okay uh, good talk yeah good talk so but other than that like darth had been completely healthy and he still was but he just had way more spit than normal. So I figured that I would take him into the vet as well. So because Cinnamon Bun had been on medication, they didn't culture him because they said it would it would mess up the culture results. So they cultured Darth with like a gram positive negative bacterial culture. He came back with just a little bit of elevated flora, that w- natural flora in the mouth. Nothing that's concerning at all. But the vet said, oh, you know, it must be this because it came back on the bacterial culture. So we're going to give you enroflaxin or Batril, however you want to, whatever you want to say. So at first he wanted to give me oral Batril for both snakes. And I said, like, this one is ready to die when I looked at cinnamon buns. So I said, there's no way in hell I'm going to orally give this animal Batril. Like, it's not going to happen. So I said, can you give me diluted injections? And then he agreed. And at that point, I felt like I was pretty much my own veterinarian because... Oh my gosh, yeah, because you were telling him what you need. It wasn't going well. But, you know, in Canada, exotics aren't as big down here. So uh, I would say the vets see a heck of a lot more cats and dogs. Both snakes were on Batril from October until December, the end of December. So like three months of Batril. 
and we kept going thankfully the vet kept taking them back in without charging me appointment fees because it was the same issue over and over but i was getting so frustrated because it's just all this money on medication the snakes were not getting better we had them in quarantine in iraq we had their their heat boosted up to like 94 95 and they're we were giving them like steam baths every night because cinnamon bun couldn't even breathe he was just sucking air like as hard as he could and throughout this entire process darth was actually still okay like i always tell people if I was a sketch bag, I could have probably just put him on an expo table and sold him. That's how okay right. he looked. For sure. And someone someone with less ethics, people have done this. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, it's crazy to see. They both ended up having nidovirus. So it's crazy to see how the nidovirus affected one snake versus another snake. And this is the exact same strain of nido, right? Right. Right. So... Is it age because Cinnamon Bun was significantly older than Darth that it just really tanked his immune system? I'm not sure. But in December, I was getting just completely put out. It was hard. I'm injecting these snakes every day and they hate you for it. And, you know, you just feel so bad. because yeah, it's, it's you don't emotionally know what to do. hard, right? You don't know what to do. So I, I ended up reaching out to stall veterinary services in Virginia in the USA and I said you know I'm in Canada and I have no way to get these snakes to you obviously because you're in Virginia but I said I'm at a complete loss and I need your help because I said I don't know what to do <laughs> like I said I'm at a point where like I, I just can't do anything more for these animals I remember the vet wrote me back from there and they said you need to test for nidovirus they said every almost every snake coming through here right now, especially ball pythons, we're sending them over to Fish Head Diagnostics and we're getting them to test for NIDO because they said um, almost everyone's coming back positive. I said, Wait, so how many months are you into this sick journey before someone even brings up the word NIDO? Three. And our vet three didn't even, didn't even know what wow. it was. And the, the, so, the timing of this is like particularly interesting. Sorry, not to interrupt. Because this was after like the Southeast Carpet Fest NIDO talk and like some USA sort of public discussions of NIDO. But somehow it still hadn't made it to Canada. Like no, at the hobby no. level. So that's interesting to me. Not at all. Right. And, and it wasn't until we like we're we're literally the nido virus people now i don't know if i want to be named as that but that's what we are because i push this so hard with people but this was heartbreaking for for everyone to go through i mean these aren't just animals like these these are my family like i love them so to see them progressively just hate interacting with me more and more because every interaction was negative with me needling them and it's horrible i don't want other people to go through this so uh, it's not that i'm sitting here advocating for testing going like oh you know you should you should just test for the sake of testing no right. you're not a karen you. that just wants to nag everyone to death you've had this horrific experience that you're trying to prevent because it's 100 percent preventable Exactly. I just don't want people to have to go through the same thing that I went through because it's awful. And, and now, you know, like the snakes, they're they're derpy. Um, I have snakes that like go in their water dishes and then they blow a bubble and then they sneeze. But every single time you hear a noise, your heart just sinks and you're like, oh, my God, you know, like it's I would say like there's like a Nido PTSD that kind of happens from. Absolutely. Yeah. In yeah. Collection. 
So after we had talked with uh, Stall Veterinary Services and the vet there, we were headed home for, for the Christmas. So we, we went for four days and the snakes were looking okay at that point. I actually, this whole thing, because I was very public about what was going on. So you can follow the whole timeline of this on my Instagram. I didn't delete anything. So I had actually made a video that was saying like cinnamon buns, last injection, blah, blah, blah. And this was before I knew about if they tested positive because we hadn't tested yet. So I said cinnamon buns, last shot, you know, both snakes are looking really good. And on the video, I actually popped Darth's mouth open and I make a comment in the video because you can see that there's still a bunch of clear stringy saliva in his mouth. And I'm like, you know, the mouth looks pretty healthy, but I said like, he's still got a little bit of saliva in there and they were pretty good, but they weren't a hundred percent. We went for Christmas for four days and we came back and cinnamon bun was right at the exact same point that he had started at just totally down and out. We did the NIDO test. We got them back. They both tested positive on their first round. And at that point, I wanted to learn a little bit more about NIDO and talk with Fishhead and stuff like that before making that announcement. So I announced on Instagram because I have quite a big following. So I had, you know, hundreds of people messaging me every day asking how these snakes were. Right. Totally invested. Yeah, totally invested. And I said, I made a video and I said, you know, um, the snakes aren't doing well and I'm going to have to take them to the vet tomorrow. And I had known at that point that I had made the appointment to have them euthanized. I just, I didn't, I couldn't deal with all the Instagram people messaging me being like, I'm so I'm so sorry. Like, right. Blah, blah, blah. You weren't ready for it to be public and having to deal with other people's emotions when you still had to deal with yours. Exactly. So due to COVID here, only one person can go in with them. So Darth was Kyle's snake. So it was kind of a shame that he didn't get to go in with him. But um, I ended up going in with both snakes. I said, uh, I want to make sure that that they've passed away because I know that reptiles metabolize things differently. So I said, I want you to show me both of the snakes after they're euthanized to the vet. Um, I said, I want to make sure that they're they're dead because I, c- I can't bring them home like they're virus filled. You know, they brought the, the dead animals. In. Like it, the whole thing is just it's awful. And the vet said I can do a complimentary necropsy on these animals because he said, I know that this has been quite a journey and the, the lung deterioration on cinnamon bun like it was rapid. Like I've never seen anything like it. It was so bad compared to Darth who had had this virus for however long he had had it. Yeah, it could have been years. Yeah, bringing it to our collection. And Cinnamon Bun, I mean, he it really affected the two snakes completely differently. It was kind of hard because in the moment, like, I thought that that the results were very interesting and blah, blah, blah. So I kind of had, like, 50%. Like, I'm dealing with the loss of these two animals versus 50%. Like, wow, this is really interesting. I remember getting in my van and I was going to film like just a quick little Instagram thing to tell people that I'd euthanized the snake. Sorry. I'm just trying to get through this. It still really bothers me. And yeah, um, you're, all right. you're okay. And Take your time. I, I literally just broke down. I just broke down in my van and I said, you know, I had to euthanize them. And I said, this has been a really hard day. And, um, uh, yeah, you know, like it, it was tough. And I was literally crying in this video that I made 
being like, you know, this is so hard. I want to talk about what happened with these animals, but I need a little bit of time to process this. So I said, if, if you guys could just give me a few days, that would be great. So I posted this video and the biggest worst blow of all of it was the breeder of Darth um, took that, watched that video, obviously. Um, the next day, he posted on his Instagram with a meme that had a bunch of clowns, clown faces on it. And he was like, it's really sad when people kill their animals from having too large of enclosures. And oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. And I, I can believe it. Yeah, I was just like, uh, I was sitting here, like fuck. literally losing my mind. Um, my boss, because uh, at the time I'd found work outside of outside of my small business, because we were in like lockdown. Um, so I'd found work, and my boss had literally given me a week off work because I couldn't even function when I went in there on the Monday. Well, like, right, I had you had to euthanize family members. Well, I had the snakes euthanized on a Saturday, and I just I couldn't even. Like, I went to work, and I was messing up every single order that was coming through our till. And he was like, you need to just go home. And I saw this literally the day after. So I reached out to that breeder because I was going to reach out to both breeders. And the difference is, now, the breeder of Cinnamon Bun wasn't actually the breeder. And Cinnamon Bun obviously had no contact with any of his snakes because he got dropped off as, as, as an owner's surrender. Yeah, right. so... There was kind of a story behind that where he was like a little a, a girl snake and she had passed away and the parents just didn't oh, really want to. No. Yeah, they just didn't really want to like look look at the snake anymore. Like it was just a, a hard thing because she liked the snake so much. So they had asked that guy to find a good home for the snake. And then we ended up being that home. So it was really devastating that I that I killed Cinnamon Bun pretty much um, because he was one of my favorite snakes. So I reached out to the guy that we had got cinnamon bun from. He was so, so nice. And I said, you know, I know I've tagged you in like every single post with cinnamon bun. And I said, I really don't want this to come back and affect you. But I said, like, I really want to talk about the Nido virus thing. And he said, I want you to talk about it. He said, that's so important that people know about this. And he said, that's, he said, I, I know my collection is healthy. He's a very, very small breeder. And he said, you know, we don't have, we haven't had our eyes or anything, but he said, you know, that's so sad. And he said, you guys gave cinnamon, cinnamon bun a great home. And I appreciate everything that you did for him over the years. And I said, you know, thank you. What a, what a 180 to the other breeder that we got Darth from who was like clown meme. You killed your animals via having too large of an enclosure and taking them outside. And oh then I, yeah. So I sent him a, fa a Facebook message to his personal, to his personal Facebook. And I said, Hey, just wanted to let you know that we didn't kill Darth by taking him outside or having him in too large of an enclosure. I said, your snake was euthanized due to testing positive for serpentovirus. And I said, I'm almost 100% certain that serpentovirus came from your facility. So I said, maybe the next time you want to post clown memes, you'll take your head out of your ass and you'll come and talk to me first instead of blasting me on your Instagram. And he left me on red forever. That's the last conversation I've ever had, conversation in quotations, the last thing I've ever said to him since since january of last year 
2021. If he, just playing devil's advocate, if he reached out to you and apologized, would that be enough? Or are you still... Because he's sort of, I don't know, publicly changed his tune on Serpentavirus a little bit in the last year-ish. So maybe he feels bad. No, I don't I'm giving so. him some credit here. If I, I, I don't think he has the ability, the capacity to feel bad. I'm going to be honest with you. Um, so we got our first snake from him, Popsicle the Dreamsicle. As I said, that that snake tested negative. Every other snake in our collection tested negative. We got our first snake from him in 2019. Then we got Darth. Then we actually had gotten another snake from him, uh, a female that we that we only had for a few months it is billy we can just say it uh it's billy from mutation creation pretty much like we're 100 percent sure that nido virus came from him and i will preface that by saying like billy isn't ground zero for nido virus it's not like his his facility is the factory where the nido virus was made he does a lot of import and export of these animals so it it's going to be what it's going to be that you will have some animals that come in and that are sick and blah 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 but I feel like almost every transaction with me, like out of the three that I did, two were handled so poorly. And as someone who runs their own business, like, and I run my own business successfully, there's a reason I'm buying Dreamsicles and Freedom Breeders for fun as a pet owner. You know, I've run my business for eight plus years and we have hundreds of reviews that are all five stars because my thing with my business is I'm very transparent with my customers. Like if I have like an unofficial Pokemon plushie or something, I will tell my client before they hand me money that the product isn't licensed. It's a trust that I've built up with clients over a period of time. And I said, you know, I cannot believe someone with as large of a following as he has with the amount of business that he does, he he bragged to me back in the day when we were at the facility that, you know, he's grossing over a million dollars a year. How is your customer service this bad? Like, what? <laughs> so to, to say the least, my transactions have not been good. Nido virus was just the, the icing on the cake for us. So I wouldn't expect an apology on that because I never got an apology about anything else that happened either. So... So do you feel like people in Canada are still really reluctant to test? It's better now. It's better now for people because at least we have an option. So when I was doing my testing with Fishhead, we were having to send everything back CITES over the border and it was quite expensive. I like using Fishhead because they have like the little bottle of stabilizer fluid that they put the sample in. So because we're not sending them back, like they can be delayed like four or five days sometimes with our mailing system going internationally. It was good to go with Fishhead because they had that to to keep the samples viable. Right. Um, But it was very expensive. Like what makes it expensive? The shipping cost or the shipping cost? So the shipping cost, you could fit as many tests as you want into the shipping cost. But you know, if you were only testing two animals, you had a $250 USD shipping fee. So, yeah, you had to allocate that, like, if depending on the foreign exchange, that's like 300 and some dollars Canadian just for a shipping fee. And then you have the testing fee on top. So for me, like this was a very expensive process, testing and retesting all of our animals. And we're at a point now where 
every single snake that we have, except for the new one that I just got yesterday, uh, has cleared. They're all negative multiple times. They're good to go. But it's been a process. So I was super happy when University of Guelph announced that they were opening up uh, a new Serpentovirus PCR testing program. I said, you know, this is great. Now Canadians won't have that like astronomical shipping fee. We can just get the test supplies sent to us from Fish Head Diagnostics, and then we can swab and then send off the samples and they'll go to Guelph. So it's a lot simpler. They get the the samples way quicker um, and it does make testing more accessible. Although I just finished going through this process. I was kind of like our tester to make sure that they did everything correctly. So it's really something new for Canadians. So I, I'm not sure that that many people know about it yet. I did make a video on it uh, at Jubejube the Snack on Instagram. If you want to check out the process of how to do the Canadian nidovirus testing, I lay out all the paperwork that you need, how to pack your samples, what comes in the testing kit, and then how to ship the samples to Guelph. So it's a pretty... Uh, did, did you put that as a YouTube video also or just on Instagram? Just on Instagram, I don't have a YouTube channel, although I should really make one. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, because Instagram isn't, like, evergreen, I would recommend you to just, like, stick it up on a YouTube, and then I can link it in the show notes. Like, I, I can link the Instagram one, too, but, you know, Instagram feed just goes away eventually, and people don't necessarily, like, go look for it again, but people can search in YouTube easier than Yeah, and it does have... It does have a link because I did post it under like IGTV. Okay. So we have, yeah, we have an IGTV channel. Um, if you go like the middle of our profile on Jube Jube the Snack, you click like videos and then you click series. Um, it'll have a drop down that says like the Ball Python channel. So I have a couple Nidovirus videos on there, how to, how to test. I have that video of Cinnamon Bun and Darth. If anyone wants to look at that, that one that I talked about where, you know, I'm like, oh, yay, the last injection. And we uh, look at Darth's mouth and stuff. If anyone wants to see what that excess saliva looks like in there, you can see it in that video. And there's lots of other videos on there, too, like for new keepers with, with humidity issues and stuff like that. So they're not good quality videos because I have no editing abilities. <laughs> but they're about, as good that. As, yeah, they're about as good as I can do with uh, iMovie and me recording it on my phone so well i mean it's it's better you can't get that kind of content anywhere else so with this new snake that you just bought yesterday will you be going through um gelf is that how you say it guelph uh guelph yeah okay so So you were so you were pretty satisfied with how it went how your first testing with them went yeah so we touched base so as I said, we're pretty much the Canadian Nidovirus people at this point. So yeah, I, Canadian ambassador to Nidovirus. Pretty much. So we touch base a lot with Pia and Dr. Susan Fogelson from Fish Head Diagnostics. Dr. Susan reached out to me and she said, I got your test results. Like they were negative. But she said, I want to make sure that Guelph is running their assay correctly before I send you finalized results. Because she said, if they're not, then we'll redo the test. And I said, okay, perfect. She reviewed everything along with the lab at University of Guelph. And she wrote me back last week and said that she was very happy with how they're running everything. Right. Yeah, so she said, I'm very happy with how they're running everything. And essentially, here's your results. And we're good to go to get this off the ground for other people who want to test. Did right. she? So she basically gave it the fish head stamp of approval. Yes. Yeah. So Wonderful. I have that. 
have that in her, in my email. <laughs> so Did she like, tell you if they were using the same primers targeting the same regions as Fishhead or if they had independently come to their primer set? They are doing the almost the exact same that Fishhead is doing. Like everything that they're running at Guelph is based off of Fishhead. Like they're pretty much partnered with each other. Okay, so they shared cuz it's it's proprietary knowledge so they won't tell normal humans, but I didn't know if they had shared their primers with each other or if they do okay they do so i actually talked with them about that as well so pia said that they are running the tests at guelph literally the exact same as university of georgia because fish had like they outsourced their testing to university of georgia so they said they're running the exact same test that's why like when we're getting supplies for university of guelph you go through fish head diagnostics to get the supplies And I talk about that in the video as well, because Dr. Susan is your acting vet. So University of Guelph, if you send in nidovirus stuff, they want you to, you know, they want a veterinarian to submit it. But if you go through Fishhead, you order their test kits, they get shipped to you in Canada. All of the the University of Guelph paperwork is pre-filled out with Fishhead Diagnostics and Dr. Susan. So you don't have to go see a vet first. You can just get your nidovirus tests in. Good. You're That's under good. Her, and, her umbrella of veterinary services through exactly. Fishhead. Exactly. Yeah. So you're basically like the tests are ninety three ninety nine USD per test. But you have to look at like what's in that. Like you're getting the lab running the assay in that. You're getting the supplies from Fishhead in that. And then you're getting Dr. Fogelson's time to talk with you about NIDO. She's going to send you over the results because nothing comes from University of Guelph. It's all Fishhead doing the communicating with you. Okay. okay. Um, so it's essentially, so, it's another university, of it's Georgia. the sister university that Fishhead is using to get results for Canadians. Exactly. Correct. So okay. everything, it, the only thing that the keeper is doing is swabbing their animal and sending it to, to University of Guelph. That's it. Other than that, it's all Fishhead dealing with everything. Oh, see, I didn't understand that. That's wonderful. Yeah. So the ninety three ninety nine USD, that includes all of that. And then you have a shipping fee on top of that when you go to checkout. And I, I did all this in my video. I went to their website. I showed, you know, how you mm-hmm. click on the Canadian nidovirus testing kit. Mm-hmm. You can add as many as you want into the shipping fee. So for me to get five tests from Fishhead Diagnostics in the States to me in Ontario, Canada, it was about $60 USD. But that singular shipping fee that you pay for, it seems expensive, but it is covering two shipping costs. So it's covering getting the supplies from Fishhead to your home in Canada. And then it your package also comes with a prepaid label so that you can just drop off your test to like a UPS or a FedEx, whatever one you get the prepaid label for. And it's also included in that, that shipping fee. And then the test itself, the test kit itself is, you said it was $93. Yeah. 93.99 USD. And then the shipping fee was around $60 USD, but that encompasses all of the shipping. So that encompasses getting the test from Fishhead to us, and then us shipping them off to the University of Guelph. And that's much, much more affordable than shipping it back over the U.S. border. 
oh yeah, because you have to rush ship it via FedEx. And even when you rush ship it, like we are last batch. So I've done a few of these tests for clients as well, who just have reached out that live near me and they're like, we're not comfortable. Right. Yeah. We're, we're like, you know, they said we want accurate samples and we're not um, comfortable with doing it ourselves. So Kyle and I have popped over to their, to their house, met lots of cool people doing that. (laughs) So for sure. um, Yeah. But the last batch that we sent over so we did three of their snakes they're all pet and they had shipped them back to the states and this was last year and then their stuff actually got the border wouldn't let it through they were just like no you know we're not letting these biological samples through and then they got sent back to canada so oh my gosh yeah so like at this point like i don't know i wouldn't want to risk paying all that money now fish head was really good like they refunded them the cost of the shipping and stuff like that right because there's nothing you can do Um, that's amazing yeah yeah and that's where that's where the five tests come from that i ordered so i ordered three tests for them and then i did my two exantic females so i went back to their house seven or eight months later redid the test and then we we shipped all of ours off to guelph and they did uh their three tests as well with guelph so it uh, it went well for all five tests and it's a lot better than having to send back to the states where as of now you could possibly get your samples rejected and what a what a crime that is i mean his snakes weren't actively sick but if so, they had been then you would have been well, out of luck. You, well, yeah, you're, you're SOL, right? Like, what what do you do? You have sick animals. You got to take them to the vet here and just get some more Baytril that's not going to work. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, I've experienced that myself. Yeah, no excuses, Canadian listeners. <laughs> yeah. You yeah, have a viable good. option now to, to test. I've had a lot of well, Canadian they- people be like, well, that's a nice idea, but I don't, I can't, or I don't want to spend the money. But I now you have to Kayla. <laughs> Yeah, well, and I'm I'm also offering people 10% off as well. So they can get 10% off of every single test kit. What they was ordered. your code? It's JubeJube, J-O-O-B, J-O-O-B, all in capitals. If uh, if you apply it when, to your order at checkout on the Fish Head Diagnostics website, you will get 10% off your entire order on your first try. So, like, for your first order. So if you have, like you know, 10 breeder females and they've got seasonal RIs, you might just want to order 10 <laughs> tests right? and make sure your, your snakes aren't sick. Like, um, and it's not like fish head makes money off these tests. They do not like they're not making money. So even for, for me to be offering an incentive on top of what they're already priced at, like it's pretty good. Right. And people are saying, like, I have heard that, like, oh, it's a conspiracy to get the labs more money. (laughs) Like, they really, like, we're lucky they're doing it. Like, they're they're really not like, yes, I'm taking this all the way to the bank. Let's convince everybody to do Nido. Yeah, it's not for sure. Um, Like, Pia's told me that they don't make money off the test. She said anything that they make, which might be like a, a few dollars, she said, goes right back into just doing research on nidovirus like she has a full-time job outside of fish head diagnostics like she's not just sitting here being like oh yeah look at the money from my from my serpento virus pcr just <laughs> roll it in <laughs> like that like no <laughs> just even from speaking with her i feel like her and i have become pretty close friends over the last year 
even when we got our test results, like I had a, a good cry with her. She was literally in her pajamas on a video chat with me. <laughs> Like That's amazing. At nine o'clock at night having a having a, with me having a breakdown on the phone with her. So, you know, and I've heard her talk about all of her snakes and how, how she got into this. It's the same thing. Like she they bought a whole bunch of I believe it was like green tree pythons and they ended up all being like Nido positive. And now she has like a Nido positive facility that's like outside of her main collection. And she's the one that maintains a Nido colony, right? Yes, she does. Yeah, she maintains the Nido colony. And she's she's like, you know, I don't do this to like make a bunch of money off of it. It's it's because we want to advance research on this. Yeah, and they lost a lot of money from Nido. So it's not like like if they wanted to like pretend that what wasn't a problem or whatever to make money, they would have just resold all those green tree pythons from Rico and pretended they weren't sick. But instead, they documented that they were sick. So, like, there's no financial incentive to coming out about something bad like this. And the people who think that are so confused about what it actually means to be sort of brave and open, because it's mostly just sort of like a fucking scarlet letter at this point. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and like anybody who is advocating because they've had personal loss and they've they've suffered from this this virus and their animals have suffered, they are definitely not positive side money gain from this experience you know all of us have lost money to this virus and all of us have lost like animals that are our friends you know i mean it's it's not like i just don't understand how they even get from we're trying to tell you we're trying to help save your animals we're trying to help save the community of animals from having to go through this to oh you're you're out for money that's the thing like none of us are doing this for fun and I not at all. Lot. It's not fun. Get, it's not fun. I get so many, like, well, we currently have, like, 23,000 plus followers on JubeJube. That's amazing. That's awesome. Thank you. It is awesome, except when you get 50 plus messages a week. <laughs> and I, <laughs> Hopefully I they're feel, not bad messages. Well, we get everything from, like, you know, oh, my snake has an RI. What should I do to, like, oh, my snake got cooked because my heat pad doesn't have a thermostat it's everything we get messages they're just like hey i love what you're doing but this is like a second full-time job doing this and i don't get anything out of doing this except for the satisfaction of helping other people in the community so i do have not very many but i do have a few you know people who are like oh you know kayla is just doing this for clout or you know, Kale is just doing this because she, you know, she thinks she has a holier than thou attitude about her snakes. I've been told that about someone else. And I'm like, how, dude? Jubejube was $100. Like, what? <laughs> what hell right. is he a holier than thou attitude about, like, <laughs> he's my favorite snake and he's my cheapest, crappiest morph. Like, I don't know. Um, well, and you spent more on their care and upkeep and enclosures than you spent on actual snakes. snakes. The snakes. And I said, you know, between Cinnamon Bun and Darth, like Cinnamon Bun was at the time, like we got him a, a long time ago and we paid $460 and, like, for him. But that was when pides were not like insanely expensive, but that was when single gene pides were like, you know, more expensive. Yeah, like and, one or know, two thousand. Yeah. And Darth wasn't a super expensive snake either. And, you know, we spent thousands of dollars on these animals, both Kyle and I. I had 
almost every single paycheck from my new job going to medication and, you know, testing and blah, blah, blah for these snakes. And I, uh, I had lots of people reaching out asking if I wanted financial donations. They were like, do you want to set up a GoFundMe? And I said, no hate on the people who do do that. But I said, no, because I brought these animals in and I am responsible for paying for their veterinary care and they will get top of the line veterinary care. It doesn't matter what I have to do. It doesn't matter how expensive those snakes were. They're going to get what they need to get. Right. And this isn't like a fun game for me. I don't understand. People think it's fun for me to go around to the booths at the expo and say, hey, have you like heard about nidovirus? Like, let's talk about it. I did that yesterday. And you have some people who you're met with hostility by doing that. They're, Absolutely. They're, they don't right. want you to be telling them about the boogeyman under the bed. They want the boogeyman to stay under the bed. Well, and they're like, oh, you know, like, I don't worry about that in my collection. Well, I'm going to tell you what, more and more buyers are going to start worrying about this. And it's going to be, if, if we don't curb this, it's going to be to a point where all of these collections are like 60 to 80% infested with NIDO. Like this is, it's, it's at a tipping point right now with the amount of animals that we're importing and exporting in North America, Europe, wherever we have to curb this. We have to be looking at this as a community and going, what can we do to mitigate this becoming out of control? Because it's, it's close. There's no way that my collection with 10 snakes that are non... At the time, we didn't even have 10 because we didn't have the two girls. We had eight snakes at the time. There's no way that my collection of eight snakes as a pet keeper who does not breed should have had two snakes that are positive for Nido in it. That's right. a that's a pretty bad ratio. Absolutely. But here we are because we have breeders who don't want to look at this and look it in the face and go, this is the reality of what's happening right now. And again, like even when I talk about where we got Darth, I'm not sure what his stance is on Nido virus right now, because of course I have not spoken with him. I'm not going to put words in his mouth. I know that when I first started talking about this, he said it was very expensive to test in Canada, which is the truth. It was. We have a better alternative now. But I can't see that person testing all of his adults because the cost is going to be phenomenal. But the thing is, is you should at least be doing your due diligence to be testing the snakes that have, in quotations, had seasonal RIs or snakes that have had symptoms. Because I know I've been to that facility multiple times and saw with my own two eyes snakes that have RI magnets stuck on the ARS racks. And you cannot tell me that when you have magnets made that say RIs, that's not just like a couple snakes. You've got like a pile of magnets. Right. So you've got to, this isn't just him. This is other breeders as well that I've talked to. And they're like, oh, you know, I have a couple snakes that have always had RIs and I treat them myself and they get better. And then it comes back. Like you guys got to test your animals here. The, the animals are the foundation of your business. You cannot have a good house without a solid foundation. And when your animals are crumbling and they're sick, you don't have a good foundation to your business. And you can't have, you're not going to have clients that respect your business because you're selling them things that could potentially put their own collections at risk. 
yeah, your whole collection can collapse if you're not looking it in the face. With my own experience with Dido, I had a female who laid and she just, like you said, with cinnamon bun, when you first, before he got really sick, he just didn't look right. She had laid and she just didn't look right. And I ignored that feeling because I was like, oh, maybe I just don't have enough experience. It's probably fine because she didn't have RI symptoms. She just didn't quite look how my other females had looked after they laid. When she did end up within two weeks, she was fine. And then all of a sudden she wasn't fine. And she literally like died in my arms. Everybody else besides Jessica was telling me that's normal, you know, because she did start to have a lot of saliva right before she died, like literally like an hour or two before she died. And they're like, oh, well, you know, that happens in every collection. And they just, everybody was normalizing it and everybody was making it like play it off. Like this is just something you experience as a breeder. And Jessica's like, you need to send that animal in for necropsy. You need to run Nido. You need to test your whole collection. I've been telling you to test your collection for months. And she was literally the only person saying this is not normal and if i had not listened to her like i ended up having 10 positive snakes in my collection if i hadn't had like started then and like separated that breeding group and started testing everyone like that is colony collapse maybe not today maybe not even next year but by you know two or three years everyone could have had it and i have a yep. i have a pair i do have two positives that are needing to be euthanized that were already pretty far advanced into the breeding season. And because the male of that pair, he is literally like, he's my jujube. -jube. He like, he's my guy. Like I just adore him and he's the father of that clutch. And so I kept them in their own situation and I was thinking, Oh, maybe I'll get him a Viv and I just won't interact with him and he'll be fine. Cause he's never shown any symptoms that's not the reality. Like it's not safe to have, in my opinion, like I feel like that's a personal choice. It's not safe to have him and his breeding partner in my care when I do have a collection that I need to protect. And when I am sending out snakes to other people, I just feel like that isn't good practice and his quality of life. Like he, okay, people say reptiles aren't friendly or whatever, but he is, he's very like, take me out, hang out with me. He wants to crawl all over everything. He wants to kiss your face. He wants to spend time with you. Like even now, like if I'm in front of their enclosure, he is up at the front of the bin and he's like, Hey, hang out with me, which I can't do because that's biosecurity. That's not safe. Even if I'm not, I only interact with his act, his rack on one day of the week. And I don't interact with any of my other animals on that day, but it still doesn't feel safe to me to like take him out and have him in my home where he could be like touching my furniture or things. So it's not a good quality of life for him. And if I hadn't have listened to Jessica, if I hadn't have had Jessica telling me that, I wouldn't have pursued that. I would have just played it off as like, oh, this is an experience as a breeder that everybody has. And it would have literally been like the silent killing death machine for my collection. Yeah, that. That is so sad. I'm so sorry to hear that. That's I couldn't even imagine having ten. That would be that would be a lot. Um, yeah, it, it it was a lot, but it sucked at the time, and it still sucks because I still have two that I need to euthanize. The other eight were euthanized over the summer, but I am so glad I did it. I mean, I wish I had done it sooner. I wish I had been more informed. I wish when Jessica had first, like you're doing at um, reptile shows, you know, she has become my mentor since then. But 
she had been talking to me about it since we first met and I'd just been like, oh, okay, yeah, I hear you. It's fine. I'll go order some swabs. Maybe eventually I'll start testing. You know, like it was just like not a priority for me until I literally had the snake that passed away was actually named after my daughter's best friend and like literally had her die in my arms. It takes that level of, I don't know, investment, that level of pain, that level of tragedy to get you to be an advocate. And I don't want other people to have to go through that level of loss in order to see that this is a real problem. Well, and that's, that's exactly it. I remain, I remember, um, after Darth and cinnamon bun, uh, had been euthanized that day, I came home and I told Kyle, cause you know, we had been hearing some sneezing in the snake room. And I said, snake room should be quiet tonight. And that, because my first round of testing, I had done Popsicle, Darth, and Cinnamon Bun. So I didn't do all of the other snakes. And I said, it should be quiet tonight. And I was so devastated. And then, oh my god, that night, I saw Jubjub make a sneezy noise. Like, he was sitting with his head out, and he made a sneezy noise. And it ended up being, because he has a very elongated face for a ball python, so he uh, gets stuck shed in his nostrils sometimes. Even if he, like, he never has a bad shed, but there will always just be, like, a little bit. But I didn't comprehend that at the time, that, you know, it might have just been, like, a little bit of stuck shed in his nostril. And he wiped his one nostril on the on the glass and he kept doing that and then literally the next day there was like a little piece of shed that was sticking out that i grabbed with tweezers and i'm like oh thank god and then it stopped but i was like what a terrible time for you to do that and i remember um i'm usually a pretty composed person and i remember sinking to my knees in front of his enclosure and just screaming into my hands just screaming into my hands i was like no it cannot be you. It cannot be you. You cannot have this because I'm like, I'm just going to feel terrible. And this leads back kind of to that question that, you know, Jessica, you asked, or I'm not sure if it was Jan or Jessica that asked it. Um, do you want an apology from Billy? No, like, I don't care at this point. What, you know, I don't want to be on bad terms with anybody. That's not why I'm in this hobby. What I would like at this point is for him to take more responsibility with his own collection and the animals that he's sending out to people because this can happen to anyone. And, you know, I see people buying snakes all the time. And, like, I just don't want this to be another person's reality where they think they're getting, you know, their best little friend, their new snake, and they bring it home. And, you know, pet keepers with two snakes, they don't really think anything of it. They just, you know, play with their snakes and take them outside and, you know, do what the pet keepers are going to do. I'm very lucky that we, even before all the Nido virus stuff, like, we had very good biosecurity washing hands in between each animal and stuff we messed up on the rats and that was just not something that we thought about and pet people aren't going to think about that and at this point it's not about apologizing it's it's not about you know having a grudge who against who or what anyone's done in the past it's how we move forward with this and i want to see breeders taking more responsibility with this i'm not actively sitting here going you know i 
I don't like you or I hate you. Do I hold a grudge that Nidovirus came into our collection from that? No, not really. Because if I didn't find out about it then, I would have found out about it probably when we had more snakes and that would have been worse. So at least I found out about it when I did. And there was a reason, you know, after he posted the clown meme, I, I had physical results like from the Nido virus testing. I could have posted those on every single forum and been like, I have a physical piece of paper here that says positive on this animal. I didn't do that. I didn't tell, talk to people about this and, and name anyone. I didn't do that because I wanted the focus not to be on the breeder. I wanted the focus to be on the, the infection, the virus itself, and how important it is because this can come from anyone. It doesn't matter. There is no such thing as the most reputable breeder in the hobby anymore. This can come from the small guy, the big guy, it just doesn't matter. You need to test your animals upon intake. And yes, oh my God, it adds an extra $150 now with, with Guelph or $160. Oh boy, who cares? This is an animal that's going to live for 20 to 30 years if you take care of it correctly. Do the work. If you can't put that money into your collection to make sure that your animals are healthy, don't breed because you don't have money to do it properly. Boom. <laughs> Boom. Boom. Mic drop. Yeah. Boom. I mean, it's, it's not about the individual breeders. It's us as an industry standing up and moving forward and recognizing this and taking ownership of it and everyone taking ownership of the animals that they have, the animals that they are producing, the animals that they're bringing in and being responsible. And like, people say, oh, I'm a ethical breeder or, oh, I'm a responsible breeder. And yet they know nothing of biosecurity and or they think, oh, I'm a high end breeder or oh, I got this from a big name or I got this and I spend a lot of money on this snake. So it's fine. And I don't even need to quarantine it. And it's like that is not the reality. Like Nido virus doesn't care if you're a $50 snake or if you're a $50,000 snake. Like, yep, it doesn't Mm -hmm. care. And you can say, oh, well, None of my animals are sick, but unless you have like <laughs> magical nidovirus glasses <laughs> that can do PCR testing just by looking at them, <laughs> you don't know if your animals are sick. Like it doesn't work like that. Well, yeah, there's no way to tell. Like, you know, if I talk to people and they're like, oh, yeah, like I've had reoccurring RIs in my collection, it makes me a little more leery. Do I think that everyone needs to test? Yes, that would be a really nice reality. Do I think that every breeder should test every single breeder snake that they're working with? Like, I don't think if if you're not maternally incubating because it doesn't transmit vertically from the parents to the babies, right? Right. So if you're not maternally incubating, if you have a separate area for your hatchlings, you're keeping up good biosecurity, you're doing your hatchlings first. Um, or doing them on a different day after you've showered, cool. Your hatchlings are going to be golden. Like, don't even worry about it. But your breeders are what you need to be concerned about. Because your breeders are the foundation of your whole business. And if your breeders are just dropping left, right, and center, or even if you have no symptoms at all, but you just don't know. You could have that one asymptomatic, like Darth, who 
barely had any any symptoms for the majority of the time we had him. And you could have that snake and it could just rip through your entire collection. I like to call them plague walkers, where they just walk the plague through your collection and you don't know. You don't yeah. know that it's there. And we call them typhoid Marys here. <laughs> yeah, I call them plague walkers because they, they walk the plague. Like if, if you touch them and you pick up a poop and then you go change another one's water dish, congratulations. You've just infected that other bin with nidovirus. It is just there. I've had breeders tell me it is impossible to wash your hands after every single animal. Okay, get a really big thing of hand sanitizer then, put it in your snake room and hand sanitize after every animal. You've got to do better. You've got to try because if you don't, there's going to be a time when this hits you. And I found that Elijah, he was like kind of well i won't even say kind of he was very big on posting in like every single group when he got his nido positive animals yeah and don't yes, ever piss off elijah because he's gonna come <laughs> let you know <laughs> yeah um takes so, no prisoners right yeah well and even i saw him back in the day but i again i didn't know what nido was i didn't know that we were testing for it i didn't know anything but i saw one of his posts he got banned from the group because he was posting about it and i love like, elijah you know, i i know everyone yeah. hates him and they think he's he's like he's a troll like or guy. something but yeah. that is fucking diligence he has been railing the whole fucking internet of snake people for three years now about nido and trying to get it word out that is some like big, the whole time. Yeah, the, some big ball sack energy, and I'm into it. Good job. The whole the whole time, and I remember seeing him pose, and people would be like, oh, you know, I have a snake with an RI, and immediately Elijah would be there, test it for Nido virus. <laughs> <laughs> test your snake for Nido. And I remember him getting like kicked out of groups, and people were applying to him and being like, this isn't even a prevalent issue. This is in, like, no snakes at all, blah, blah, blah. And now, like, even just today, world of ball pythons facebook group there's a guy on there who posted my snake has an ri what should i do there's people offering me- meds from chewy there's people saying <laughs> take your snake to the vet like which you should but i feel like i'm like i'm i'm like the new elijah coming in there <laughs> okay. do it and whether do it, elijah whether elijah gets to it first or whether i get to it first and i'm like you need to test for an ido and i have a moderator replying to me and i'm not saying don't take your snake to the vet but what i'm saying is because i'm an advocate for vets even though in canada we didn't have an experience a good experience here with our vets really that we used i had like i owe everything to the vet at stall uh or like sieves uh in virginia yeah dr uh, scott stall yeah, at yeah. their veterinary clinic. I, I owe everything to them because they're the ones who told me. So we can't say that veterinarians aren't good to go to. They are. But it is very veterinarian dependent. If you get a vet, you know, that's very, like, old school and they, they're not up on this stuff, then they're just going to bait troll you and go home. Or I have a lot of people recommending, oh, you need to go get a gram-positive negative bacteria test first so that they can dose out what meds. Well, that's all well and good, but as we saw with Darth, nidovirus sometimes causes elevated flora and secondary bacterial infections because it's it's making the snake immunocompromised. So right. that's not going to that's not always going to be accurate and maybe well, and like it's not enough. It's not enough information for you. 
Exactly. So maybe five or six years ago, our first step when our snake had RI symptoms would be to go to a vet and get a culture done and get treatment. But I think with how prevalent nidovirus is right now, our first step should be doing a, a nidovirus PCR every time like it's because it is just a waste of money to go to your vet have them dose you out a bunch of medication and you're just jabbing your snake and it's not getting any better like what and you're just it's hurting not the animal. going to fix the underlying virus exactly it's not fixing anything it you're you're better off knowing if your snake has a viral infection first and if you rule out because I'm not going to say they're all going to pop positive when they're symptomatic, but when they're symptomatic, they have a pretty high viral load at that point. So they're probably going to pop positive. Let's get the viral test out of the way because that is also your cheapest thing you can do. If you're in the States, go go to RAL. Go to RAL. I don't yeah. care. It's, it's cheap. So cheap. It's so, so cheap. cheap. So cheap. Go over there. Get it done. Like, I can make a song about it. It's so cheap. Don't care who you go to. Like, I'm over here because Fishhead and I have a great relationship and I love what they do. I know you guys use RAL and you swear by them and that, like, cool beans. Go test with whoever you want. Like, I don't care. Does it matter? Yeah. Yeah. We don't care either. If people want to do Fishhead, that's a great kit in the U.S. for someone who needs a little if bit that's of hand a better holding. format for you. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Who cares? Just test. It would be Just so fascinating to me to if there was a way to see the data of if everyone started to just the first step is if you see ri symptoms is to send out a nido test like is it really like people think that ris are so common in ball pythons is it really nido is it all really nido or is ri a thing that happens in ball pythons as well like i want to know that answer but we well, don't have and this that information is- this is something that like we've discussed at length with like Pia and stuff like that, because, okay, we have to think like you guys have been in the hobby a long time, right? Like way back, back in the yonder years, we had like everyone keeping their snakes in like wooden racks. And we had like some really ghetto shit happening (laughs) back when nobody knew what was happening with keeping exotics because we didn't have companies you know like freedom breeder and we didn't have like focus cubed habitats giving us amazing custom pvcs and we didn't have all of these these companies um accessible to us so way back in the day even before my time of keeping i would say definitely our eyes were going to be a thing because temperatures were inconsistent we didn't have a ton of really good equipment to keep exotics because it was like a fairly new thing you know it, it was not like keeping a dog or cat where it's pretty standard you have these reptiles that all require certain heating and certain humidity and, and lots was, could have been wild caught it, exactly you have all of these different factors so i feel like the older guys kind of coming up through are always going to say oh you know you need to go to the vet get your gram positive negative test or just get rid of it with Batril because Back in their time, a lot of these RIs were husbandry related. And I'm not going to say right now that we don't have husbandry related RIs. That doesn't make any sense at all. We definitely do because we are still seeing people who I call it the pet store special. They bring home the pet store special, which is like their glass tank, their red bulb, their like heat mat with no thermostat. Like 
their stick on analog gauge like you know the the best or special we've got a ton of people bringing that stuff home still so if you keep your snake in improper conditions 100 percent, you run the risk of that animal getting a respiratory infection however as of the last like five years we have seen such an increase in the trade of especially pythons Ball pythons are one of the most traded pet reptiles in the industry. And with that trade comes one snake entering someone's collection and then another one entering the collection. And then those snakes go out to someone else's collection. So we have all of these viral infections that are becoming much more prevalent due to how frequently these animals are traded and bought and sold, right? So it only makes sense at this point. And I get, again, I get argued with it. Like I have people arguing with me about this every time I post on World of Ball Pythons saying, go to your vet first. I'm not saying don't go to your vet. I'm saying that your vet probably isn't going to recommend doing a nidovirus test. So you should just do that first and get it out of the way. If your animal pops positive, you pretty much know at that point you need to euthanize it. I mean, again, as as you said earlier, Jana, it's personal decision. But even with asymptomatic animals, we don't know how much lung deterioration they right, really We don't have. know the long-term effects that it's having that we can't see and they can't tell us. Correct. Because reptiles are extremely good at hiding illness. They only, they only show it when they're really de- going downhill. Right, um, so we have no way of knowing it, that they are in pain or if they are suffering in any way. We have no way of knowing. So why not get the viral test out of the way? Because it's your cheapest thing to do. Get your viral test out of the way. Then you know for sure. You can go into your vet. You can have that information and go, this animal has already tested negative for nidovirus, which, like, I mean... We can do the whole panel. We can like test them for arena virus too. Like, cool, cool, cool. You know, get them all tested. Do your Boyd panel. But at least if they pop negative, then you can take them to the vet and you you can go step two at that point. Correct. Take them Absolutely. to the vet. Let's get step two going. Let's, you know, do the do the gram positive, gram gram negative bacterial test because at that point it it is a bacterial RI. I haven't seen fungal RIs. I know Dr. Stahl, they said that they don't see fungal RIs. Like maybe if your enclosure's filled with mold, I don't know. Right. Um, but most of the time... Unique circumstances to see a fungal RI. Correct. So most of the time it's bacterial. But I just don't like seeing when people immediately go vet, vet, vet. Because there are going to be so many vets that don't tell you to go viral test. And as much as they are going to maybe give you a culture for the snake... It's not going to tell you what you need to know. Just as I had the example with Darth, I still have his culture and I've posted it online many times to show what it actually says. And I'm like, this is what you're going to see. You're going to see a little bit of elevated bacteria because your snake is immunocompromised. Its its body is trying to fight off everything and it's just getting sicker and more things are coming at it to make it sicker. I mean, I had a similar experience to you as I had a sick snake um, and she didn't really have RI symptoms. She had excess mucus, but she had a mouth abscess um, or mouth swelling. It, it wasn't like oozing or anything, but she had a, a swelling in her mouth. And then she had some excess saliva. So I was worried about her having an RI. 
And I had had another snake that had had an RI in the last three months. And so I took her in and they just immediately like, well, you had another snake, you know, maybe your biosecurity isn't great. So, I mean, I knew that's not what it was, but they were like, okay, here's some antibiotics. Have a great day. And I gave her the antibiotics and she did not get any better or any worse. And she still had the mouth abscess. And so, you know, I took her back in and that's when they were like, you know, maybe she got bit by a rat and because most of the time I do frozen but sometimes I do live. And so she had had a live, you know, maybe in the month prior to me noticing the abscess. And so they're like, let's try a different antibiotic because maybe the first one we gave you didn't, wouldn't help the abscess. And then at that point, I think that the, I had a really good vet. And I think at that point they said, you know, in the long term, there are other things we can talk about like viruses, but they didn't like, it was not step one, which it should have been. And so, I mean, if it had been step one, this is over like a three month process. If it had been step one, then I am a breeder. I am breeding snakes. Obviously a sick snake is immediately pulled into quarantine and not breeding anymore, but they had bred previously. And so it's like, if I had had more information or more knowledge and that had been my step one, maybe I could have prevented some of those other snakes from getting Nido, but it's not a step one with veterinary process. Their first step is to throw antibiotics at you. And, and so I do think as an industry, as a, a hobby, that should be step one, check for Nido. And then if it's not Nido, great, move on to step two. Exactly. Yeah. And that's all I'm saying. I feel like people sometimes think that I'm saying don't go to a vet. No, I want you to have a, a good vet. I want you to have a great relationship with your vet. Um, even my vet here when we euthanized the snakes, I, w- I was not in a good mental state, but I still uh, when we did the necropsy and everything, I actually was showing him on my phone like the nidovirus results. And we were talking about serpentovirus. And he was like, wow, you know, I've never heard of that being in Canada. And I said, yeah, like, this is a thing now that, you know, you're going to have to look into testing with people when they because he he's listed as an exotics clinic. I said, we're to a point where, like, if my collection has this and we're very small, we, we don't breed currently. I said, like, how many other people are getting this, even just in their pet snakes that they're bringing home? And I said, it's very important to be able to have this as an option to discuss with clients. And that's all I want is I, I want people to be able to discuss this with, with their vet. Even if you test your animal and then take it to the vet, and the, if it's really bad, and then the vet's like, oh, you know, we'll do a culture and give it some Batril for the time being or whatever they, drug they dose to it. At least you've done your nidovirus test. So you're not just like indefinitely jabbing your snakes like what we ended up doing and your your poor animals just getting sour like because that's painful for them. Oh, yeah. It's an awful experience for both of you. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know how it is up in Canada, but in the U.S., sometimes it can take up to two weeks to get in with the vet because of COVID. So you can absolutely send out and get back within that two week time period a NIDO test while you're waiting for the vet. That's the same with us here. Like we were lucky because our vet had an opening at that time uh, for a new client. So we like, we squigged right in there, but you know, it can take a while. And I'm like, there are things 
like you can do at home. Like I do not believe in, I've heard people fogging their snakes with Vicks and eucalyptus and all of these things. Please don't. My God, please don't. Um, F10. That's yeah, popular please, here. Fog them with F10. <laughs> yeah, here we got the Vicks and the eucalyptus and I'm like, please don't. Like just test your snake and take it to a vet. Just at least just do the test, though, because then, you know, either way, it's it's not like you wasted money. It's good to know your animal is healthy. It doesn't have a viral infection that will eventually kill it. Like um, I had a gravid snake pass away unexpectedly in the last month. And the very first thing I did was swab her and run a Boyd panel, even though she has passed negatives and her entire breeding group has passed negatives. That was the first thing I did. Like, it's devastating to lose an animal. It's devastating to lose an animal that's gravid. But the very first thing I checked was, are we okay disease-wise? And um, she was negative. Her whole panel was negative. And so, you know, there was some investigation afterwards to try to figure out what happened. But if you have an animal pass away, that should be your first instinct is to check no matter how many negatives you have, especially if they're in an active breeding program. And I can't push enough that you can nidovirus test your animal even after it has passed. Yes. Um, I get so many pet people and I get that you are grieving. I, I get that more than anyone else on the whole earth. Absolutely. But you get that worst... to your core. Like totally yes. get that. I get it. But the worst thing you can do when you have a snake pass away unexpectedly is take it outside and bury it in your yard. Right. I get people without testing, without testing it. They, they just take it outside. I'm a, an approved contributor in uh, an exotics vet page on Facebook. So we're not allowed to discuss like medication doses or anything like that. But it's just people will post in with like their snakes and they're like, hey, do you think this animal needs to go see a vet? And, you know, then we can reply like, yes, here's what I think is wrong with it. Here's things that you should take to the vet to discuss and go from there. So it's it's a super helpful group. So I'm one of their ACs specifically for snakes. The amount of people that I see that post in there and then they do an update and they're like, my snake died. And then I'll reply to their update and I'll be like, okay, you need to take that snake in for a necropsy. And they're like, oh no, I already buried it in my backyard. Like that's the worst thing you can do. Now you have no idea what's going on. And if your other snakes are at risk, you're blinded. You have no idea if it died of crypto. Do you need to literally like trash your enclosure before you put another snake in it? Like, do you need to like, oh my God, I don't even know what kills that. Like it's, you know right. what I mean? You like, should see Jessica's face right now. <laughs> you are preaching to her choir. <laughs> like, like, how do you know? How do you know? So, and then I have people who are like, yeah, like I, my snake passed away and like, I'm just going to, like, sell its enclosure and stuff. How do you do that? You don't, you, you're poor next person buying your enclosure. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I uh, just had to go grab the uh, FedEx at the door, so. No, totally understand. Real life happens. <laughs> yes. So, yeah, anything. And we haven't really heard a lot from Jessica, too. So anything you want to, like, put in. I just I feel said like that. Thank so you. <laughs> I'm like, Thank I feel you. like you're talking so much. I'm sorry. No, I you're, you're doing great. I, we were just talking said. about it. I was just trying to like, because we have talked for literally 19 episodes, almost exclusively about testing somehow <laughs> to give, <laughs> to give you space to say whatever you 
need to say without me just like repeating the thing I've already said for the last 20 hours of content. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how well, much I you... I the same thing. As soon as you jumped off, I was like, why are you so quiet? <laughs> yeah, well, I, I apologize. I find um, I did this with the uh, the other... I did a YouTube with like Canadian Herp podcast or whatever. And I found that I, ours was like over two hours there and I talked so much. And I'm sorry. Like, I apologize. I don't mean to no. be running over. No, it's an interview we, to we highlight you. you. We yeah. want you to talk. You're doing fantastic. Yeah. And we... <laughs> Like, it's so refreshing to hear it come out of someone else's mouth rather than us just at nauseum repeating ourselves. <laughs> well, it's it's hard when you haven't gone through it yourself. And I get, uh, you know, I'm sure you guys have seen it online, too. You get people who even post back to you and they say, oh, well, you need, you know, three plus nidovirus tests on every single snake in your whole collection. Like, with juveniles, we test like once to twice because they're not at, as at they're risk, not at risk, right? Correct. Their risk category um, is very low. Now, I mean, good thing that I figured this out before I brought in more retired breeder males, because that was like the whole thing Jube <laughs> and Friends was founded on. But because retired breeder males, like they've been passed around to so many females, right? Because you're using one male on different females. They're the highest um, risk. They have the highest risk. So... I'm, I am glad in a sense that we found out about it. And, you know, Darth and Cinnamon Bun, like, I like to say that their deaths are not in vain. Because there's so many people that have reached out to me and that I've helped at this point. So I, I'd like to say that in a way, it was worth it for, for me to find out about this. I just right. had to find out the hard way. The hard <laughs> the way, life. but you're helping other people prevent the hard way. I know we've said in a previous episode, like people who come to you and they're literally their whole, you know, hundred plus collection is collapsing around them. And literally they're watching them die and they're messaging you and they're like, what do you do? And it's like, once someone gets to that point, it's terrible as it is to say, like, it's too late at that point. Like we want to give this information to people to make this imp information normalized and talked about in the daily day-to-day -day news of the hobby before someone is literally sitting in the reptile room watching them all die like we're trying to help prevent that and to advocate for that and you are too and it's so refreshing to have someone literally saying what you've been saying <laughs> <laughs> thank you and and again this is why like this is why like i i don't like dropping names i i don't like doing that and again like it's it's not like don't go buy a snake or don't do this or don't do that because you're at risk from everyone like there's right. there's unless you have someone like ourselves that are getting into breeding or are breeding and i can physically show you paperwork on every single animal that we have here like as of yesterday we have a total of 11 ball pythons it's very manageable for me to have nidovirus paperwork and go all of these animals are negative so you are safe if you buy an animal here. But I understand that can't be the reality for breeders that have been in the hobby for so long and they have like thousands of animals. I don't but know. He fl people flex so hard with their stupid cars. You know, well, the, the high end, they could stop and spend 50000 to test all their adults and they probably wouldn't even bat an eye because they have the money to do that. So I almost wonder if it's like, an actual excuse that we shouldn't be like holding their feet to the fire over. I 
I never want to assume someone's financial position because again like I was very well off buying all these freedom breeders and buying the snakes and everything pre-pandemic and you know now I've had to go out and find a job and my money situation is not the the same as it was pre-pandemic so I never like to sit there and assume any breeder's financial situation and I do think that people act like they have a lot of money sometimes and it's it's just for clout and they don't but they want to be considered you know a big player because right. who doesn't want to be the Justin Kabilka of ball pythons I mean we all dream of that <laughs> like he's he's an icon right right we There's all the reason want he's the, an icon yeah we all want the beautiful facility and the reason he's an icon is because he has wonderful customer service and, and he's a great person and right. I know that like any animal you want to test from him, he he's like, that's fine. He, he's just a very um, amicable person to work with in the hobby. All of the smaller breeders that I've dealt with have been extremely amicable. Two of my snakes are from pear tree pythons who are local, um, pretty local to me in like in Canada, Ontario. I don't want to give out my exact city. Don't come to my house. <laughs> um, <laughs> so does he test or does he, uh, is he just okay with you testing if you buy from him, Pear Tree? Fine, fine with me testing. So this, again, we have to realize that the testing really hasn't been that accessible to Canadians up until this point. So at this point, you know, the testing is good. We can do it. We've got a Jube Jube coupon if anyone wants to go test they can. I've spoken to a couple larger breeders here that have high-end animals, and they do have plans to test their entire collections. Oh, um, that's wonderful. Yeah, it's it's client confidentiality because I'm dealing with them um, oh, for sure. on a, yeah, per, on a professional you, basis. Right, we yeah, don't expect it, you to name names. Yeah, it's not just me dealing with them on like a here's a, well, even uh, here's on, a rando phone call sort of thing. Right, um, even but, in the U.S., People are still pretty, especially if they're big names, are still pretty hush-hush and not advertising that they are testers when we feel like they should be, but they're not comfortable with it yet. Yeah. So, like, a lot of the what I mean by the smaller breeder, breeders being amicable here is they've been very good about me testing. And about me being, like, very public with those test results as well. Like, when I was going through the whole Nidovirus thing with Darth and Cinnamon Bun, like, I had Marshmallow and Baby Coconut. So those snakes, what if they pop positive on the next test? You know, like, I just have told all of the breeders that I've bought snakes from all the way along that, you know, if their animals pop positive, it's, it's not my goal to go out and publicly like destroy their business. <laughs> That's never something that I want to do or that I will do. But Right. It's about educating them for future. Well, not about shaming said, them publicly. Exactly. I just said, you know, if your animal tests positive, I'll send you a private message. I'll send you the test results and, and we can just go from there. I have no doubt in my mind that all of those breeders would be super professional. Like I have Sir Sprinkles from Canadian Regis. She has a very healthy collection. Like I've seen how she cares for her animals. It is phenomenal. Never seen a breeder have a more clean setup than Nicole. Yeah, Nicole is one and, of the people I wished was in the U.S. Oh, her stuff is so good. So we got Sir Sprinkles from, from her and she's just a wonderful person. And, you know, 
she was perfectly fine with us testing. We said, yeah, we're going to bring sprinkles home because we had just got done dealing with all of this Nido stuff. And I said she had been holding him for us because I said, I do not want to bring sprinkles home into this hellish Nido virus situation. Right. Until you have more answers. So she said, no problem. I'll hold on to him for you. So she held on to him until we had the other snakes euthanized. Um, I told her I wanted uh, our racks to be bleached twice and then sit for an entire month with nothing in them. That's how hardcore I was. No, that's uh, amazing. Like, yeah, thank so, you. <laughs> yes, that's what so you should I, do. Well, I told her, I said, I don't want your snake. You know, so Sir Sprinkles, he was a failure to thrive out of the egg. So he already kind of had a tough start. And I said, I don't want to bring him into the Nido virus factory. Like, right. <laughs> poor little guy. You know, she was great. We tested him. He, he was negative. Every snake that we have is negative. Even my two Exanthics are from Ball Brilliance in California. Obviously, I've never met Matt. So I reached out to Matt and I said, hey, I really, really want some TSK Xanthics because nobody in Canada deals with them. And I feel like they're beautiful. You know, we're all looking at JD Constriction stuff being like, oh, yeah, that, that looks so good. We all like we all want black and white ball pythons. They look nice. So but I told Matt, I said he he actually didn't have the clutch uh, hadn't hatched at that point. But he knew with his pairing, like pretty much what was going to come out of it. And I said, I would like to get a snake from you, um, but I'm very nervous about, you know, you having it until we can import it to Canada because the weather just wasn't right. And we had like six months to go. And I'm like, I'm nervous about, you know, it maybe getting something from your collection. I have never had a, like, I, I shouldn't say I never have, had, like, he, the customer service from him. Oh my God. It was amazing. If I could recommend a breeder in the States, it's like Matt from Ball Brilliance. He's just well, And incredible. he let me be really transparent on Jubejube about it. I remember following your whole process with him. Like you were you were very like transparent about the interactions between you two and the ability to test and how nervous you were because of the experience you had just gone through. And he was like there and like happy that you were talking about it. He, he was. And the thing is, I told him um, that... And he said, I haven't had, he, he's got a very small collection. And he said, I have not had RIs in my collection. But he said, I understand how you're nervous. So once you pick your snake that you want, I'll set it aside for you in a separate area until it can get to Canada. And I said, wow, the customer service on this guy. Like, right, incredible. that's amazing. Incredible. So I ended up buying two off of him from that same clutch. They're uh, Cookie and Licorice are both full sisters because he, he set them aside in a different area. He fed them differently. He got them on frozen thawed for me. I mean, what a guy. Yeah, <laughs> that's amazing. All right. He- random aside real quick. I heard a rumor that MJ Xanthic was actually tested against TSK and they were the same. How do you feel about that? Okay. I just heard this at the expo. <laughs> I know I had it's crazy. Talking to me Hot about things. they're like, they're like, hey Kayla, so are you, you you should put your because Mark lives like in two hours away from me. They're like, you should put your TSK Xanthics with an MJ Xanthic and just like see what happens. And I, this is not the first time I'm hearing this, so I, I don't know. know. It was crazy. I, I think I heard it. The skin tension. Yeah, they're or? the same. Oh. Because apparently uh, Mark never tested against TSK originally, just VPI. 
that's how he knew it was different than VPI. But I then heard that yesterday, I heard that yesterday. I had a breeder um, telling me that people are starting to think that the MJs are the same as the TSKs. And I said, I, I don't like, obviously I don't know. I don't even have a clutch on the ground. So right. I said, I, I said, my female is like two years off from being ready to right. go. So I said, I don't know, but I'm like, that's, that would actually be kind of cool because I feel like TSK has been pretty diluted at this point, And the MJ line is still very like the colors pop and they're very strong. And I still think that like in quotations, the true lightning pods, like the MJ Xanthic pods look significantly better to me than the TSK pods. And I know that like blah, blah, blah with Xanthic, it's all about buying quality animals because if you don't buy really high quality Xanthics, they are just brown like a poo pile. Right. Um, they right. look they look <laughs> terrible. So that's why like our stock is like all of Matt's stuff is from JD Constriction. So we knew we were getting pretty much like top of the line quality. But the TSK Xanthic Pides they're very like yellowy compared to I've seen quite a few of the lightning pods and they're very like rich and dark and gray and then especially with people have been mixing them with orange dream now and those are really banging like those things are so nice they're a very like light gray but they're they're very strong looking still and i'm like man wouldn't that be cool though if we could put the tsk with the mj like the, the things we could do <laughs> right, right right away oh, instead of waiting opens up. yeah and you have would, so much mj up there already you could yeah it's you wouldn't have to go through the importation process just to get yeah it's it's all mj like there's i know nicole is working with like black exantic which I don't really know anything about. It's the best. Um, Sorry. It's the MJ. absolute <laughs> best. Yeah. Oh my and gosh. I've, I've she has a black Xanthic DG clutch this year for visual. Yeah. What? That visual? fucking bitch. That bitch. <laughs> oh I'm going to go up there and marry her and give her a visa. Yes. <laughs> Watch <laughs> out. Marry her. Not if I marry her. I know. We're going to have to fight over. <laughs> those half those snakes are mine now um <laughs> but uh yes i saw her black exantic like female and oh my god it looked so good like i was like wow it's amazing it's so amazing. amazing and then i know we have a lot of vpi now i've seen some really nice vpi stuff don't get me wrong but VPI is not my favorite line. I think that it's uh, a little bit darker and more silvery. And I like that very like black and white contrast. Yes. I don't really like when they silver out a lot. But I have seen some like killer like VPI, uh, VPI spot nose calico stuff that's on Morph Market right now. And I'm like, blah, blah, blah. Like, give me that. <laughs> that, <laughs> that looks really good. You know, all, all of that stuff. And like even yesterday, I just bought High Orange Dream calico and i'm kind of like i bought him as a male and i'm kind of like what if i just like put that with the exantics though and then we just had like orange dream tsk calico exantics like we could just have the whole pile we could make a bunch of hats and then we could just get the party going and i don't know there's so many things to do with exantic it's an untouched territory yes yeah, the hard part with exantic is selling them to normal people because they're like to me, like on a show table, the normal human is like, I don't want a black and white snake. I want a purple, orange, banana, you know, just like the, 
banana. Hey, I'm so, so funny that you I want banana. That. Right. Everybody everyone wants, wants banana. Everyone wants bananas. And everyone wants blue-eyed Lucy's. And I got to tell you, it's because blue-eyed Lucy's are an extremely cheap, pure white snake. So... I get why people want them because they're pretty much the best looking thing that you can get at that price point. At, yeah. Like here. And then bananas too. Like everyone, I don't know, man. Bananas have cute faces. Do, like, do you guys know what I'm saying? Like bananas have yeah. really adorable faces. My on. daughter's prize. I think it's the, snake the, is the contrast between the really dark eyes and the really sort of light. You know. Just they're adorable. Right. They are really cute. Like, I'll, I'll be straight up with you guys. Um, my least favorite morphs are um, clown. <laughs> clown. It's gonna mm. get me. It's gonna get mm. me hate here. Mm. Uh, I don't like. I don't like clown. I think you it's know scary. World War Three. It's gonna start today. <laughs> it's USA now. versus um, Canada. I have a lot of clown, but it is not. It is not my favorite. Yeah, it is it's, my favorite. You no. Know, it's just very, like, you see it in everything now. Because I find, like, when the big boys start playing with stuff, then everyone else wants to start playing with stuff. And I, I think, like, everyone is into clown. And mm -hmm. I'm sitting here, and I'm like, like, sure, clown. I, I don't hate any ball python, because they're all ball pythons, and ball pythons are just amazing. Um, but I, I don't think I'll have clown in my collection. I just don't really like it. Another one, uh, okay. I despise scaleless ball pythons. Oh, yeah. Hey, okay, them. you're a keeper. <laughs> like, I don't Ooh. know, man. They can. Are we allowed to be like kind of rude on here? Yeah. Fuck yeah. Sure. Yeah. Fuck they yeah. Kind, they kind of like. They're kind of like a dick skin. Oh yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. I always post this. They, they're like. Oh, Jessica they're like has said they're the penis snake. Are they are the penis. Snake. Yeah, it's like a penis with Muppet eyes glued on it that sheds like way more than all your other ones yeah like i don't know man scaleless is not for me i think that that's like an abomination it's wrong yes yes i agree everyone everyone who has scaleless is like yeah i'm gonna breed my female this year and it's like where are the eggs <laughs> where are the eggs there where was a picture they? of a female on eggs but people said that it was fake and i have yeah there was a joke picture that. uh so it, so that wasn't real i don't no. think so I don't yeah, think it's just it's too hard to be a ball python that sheds every two weeks and ever get to size. Think of all like the protein and energy needed to shed constantly, especially if you they don't they, eat when they're yeah in they shed. don't eat necessarily. You yeah. don't know if that snake's gonna so, be one that eats. So shed, even if they like... can make eggs successfully in their ovaries, they're not a good breeder anyway. You know, like it's not a good size. project because it's, they're not good at breeding because they're not good at staying growing successfully so like yeah, it doesn't just matter they're just a bunch of dick skin yeah like, i don't know well and <laughs> even that like you can't give a, a a penis snake to a pet home even if they no. have the money to spend because they they don't know what they're doing like people that do know what they're doing that are like super invested in this project are still challenged in keeping these things alive right and killing them at a non-zero rate even though they're right. yeah, quote unquote it, supposed to be good at it. Scaleless is weird. Um, no, no, no thanks for me. That's all no I'm saying. Hard no. No thank you for me. Never will have a scaleless. I've touched one and I'm like, yeah, I can just, I can just go, you know, touch some dick whenever I need to heal <laughs> that again. Like I'm good. All right, real know? talk for a second. I'm scared to touch one because I might like it. I might be like, oh yeah. <laughs> Whoa. Oh, baby, this is 
This is reminding me of the good times. And now I'm like, I love it. I want it as a pet, not sexually, just as a pet, but I'm like into it. We'll forgive you a little bit because your husband is on mission. Oh, fuck, he's gone. (laughs) Poor buddy. You you gotta chill over there, man. Oh, I know. And I worry about that with corn snakes because corn snakes do better as scaleless because they have a little bit more scales. Um, I feel they like they do fine. They don't. Yeah, they do okay. But I'm scared. I still think they look dumb. But I'm scared if I get one pops out because it's recessive and it just happens. I'll be like, I love this little dick snake so much. <laughs> He's my new friend. <laughs> oh man! And then yeah, I'll be like those... tricked into it because of how, whatever penis. I don't know. How I gotta, weird they look. I probably should put myself yeah, back I on mute. I, I, <laughs> don't want any, I don't want any cock, cock snakes over here. None of them. I agree. The uncircumcised uh. cock snakes. I'm, <laughs> I'm good. Don't need them. Um, got, you know, some dick skin over here with, you know, the husband. If I need that, that's fine. So, um, <laughs> oh, man. Like, no. So, yeah, clown and dick skin snakes are nope. And then... There was one other one that I really just am not really a fan of. I forget now, probably because I never look at it because I don't care. So I, just anything that's like very brown. I think that like if you want a brown snake, like we can just get some normals that have like right. no health issues and they're they grow like massive. Right. <laughs> uh, yes. So I, I'm not a big fan of even like Mr. Fudge. So I bought Mr. Fudge is my chocolate pinstripe. So I got Mr. Fudge purely because he's very stretchy and he likes to um, be an art connoisseur. So when I was walking around with him, he was stretching out and like putting his face on things on the wall. And I was like, yeah, you're you're perfect. You're fun. Right. You're fun. Yeah. He's very like uh, he's a very in your face snake. Like he likes stuff. Those are um, kind of my favorite kind, that personality. When you open yeah. their, their bins and they just like pop up into the little periscope and they're like, what are we going to do today? Those are those are awesome snakes. And like, he's very friendly too. like he's he's old. <laughs> I got told he's a 2016 and I'm like, no, he's not because he has cataracts on his eyes. So he's oh not a 2016. But thanks. So, no, he's he's very old. Like he has like cataracts and stuff. He's he's getting up there, but he's a very friendly snake. But if I, I love him because of his inherent temperament, definitely not because of the chocolate pinstripe. What a boring combination that is. Like right. Yes. I do so, like chocolate though. Chocolate's nice. Corey Woods has a lot of chocolate. All by itself though, it's kind of it's kind of like mm, yeah. It's that super okay. chocolate that gives me the weirdest lady boner of all time. <laughs> he's he's it's like a, a very one. he's a very rich looking morph. I just really I like snakes with white up their sides. There's a trend like I okay I know I'm bad. I have like four spiders because I love them all. Will I would I breed them like probably not oh my god this is a whole other discussion no right. we're not this is going a whole there. other episode um, that's a whole another episode maybe we can do that one at yeah. some time i've seen varying wobble i think a lot of it they all inherently have a wobble um but i think all a lot of it is husbandry because mine are all quite good but you know i love that white up the sides and that's why i'm gravitating so much more towards calico now because i can do that white up the sides without having the neurological issues absolutely yeah so anything with white up the sides though like you'll see or even white on the snake like 
like Sir Sprinkles, you know, he's a sugar bee, so he's very white and black. Like Popsicle, he's black and or sorry, not black, he's white and orange. Like Lucas is a lesser bee and she, so he has all the white up his side. Madam is a black bee, she has all the white up her side. Like I have a very like trendy thing with my white snakes. I like white all over them. Well, Calico's really coming up in terms of its perception as like a, right. a morphable gene again. So getting into Calico and mixing that with TSK, I think it was a great idea. Very well, good it's idea. So, it's so fun because I only need one. Unfortunately, like with the TSK, you need both both parents to have the TSK, right? Right, like, right. But with Calico, it's like, cool, I only need one. <laughs> so, and then I can just get it in there. Yeah, I really, I love the Calico. I think that it's such an awesome gene. Calico is definitely one of my favorites. Um, spider for, for pets. I love them. They just eat like crazy and they're just a They're great the snake. best eaters and they're the sweetest snakes. They, they are I don't like, know if it's because they're a little derpy upstairs, but my, my favorite snake, my boy, my Nido boy is a, a bumblebee and... I seriously and one of my daughters her snake is a bumblebee and it's like they are sweethearts I've heard that like there are certain I don't have enough of the same morph to be able to tell if this is true but I feel like there are certain morphs that are just like a bag of dicks like I've heard that puzzle um a lot of the puzzle ones are just like really crummy temperaments uh I've never met a single banana that has been a mean banana. They are all all, the, all of them are sweet. Yes, yeah, they're I agree. all sweethearts. The blue-eyed Lucy's are all like marshmallow is probably one of my most friendly outgoing snakes. Uh, he's I've, I've heard that as well. Yeah, um, yeah. The bells, the spiders are usually sweet. Although I always tell Kyle that they're a few crayons short of a box because <laughs> <laughs> I feel I feel like they are really sweet, but there's not really a lot, a lot. upstairs. Yeah, yeah. There's not a lot. Like Lucas, he's very, he'll sit on the couch with you for like two hours. He won't move. Like he's the, the best personality. Oh, are we still here? Yeah. Yep. Okay. My phone is just like 10% battery. And I'm like, oh, oh no. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it'll be fine. Uh, you know, he's a very sweet snake. And then well, I don't really have any that are dicks. I find that the dream sickles from what I've seen too are very placid those lavender albino pies they're very like placid temperaments popsicle is really really derpy he's just really like friendly and derpy that's the best way to describe him yeah i found that my pies are kind of jerks really okay and they're terrible terrible eaters which i've heard said other places oh yeah cinnamon bun was really good but i mean that's probably because he was kept as a pet for so long so he was just a great eater, and he also had a great temperament. He was just the best. But yeah, Popsicle, there's not a mean bone in that thing's body. Like, But he would die outside. There's no way he would. Aww, like, if you buddy. were like, no one's dropping my dinner into my mouth. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, so Popsicle, he's really bad because he doesn't even strike off the tongs half the time. You have to, like, drop feed him. And I, like, if his rat isn't because I feed frozen thoughts... It, Usually I feed wet, but if Popsicle's rat is not perfectly bone dry, there's no way he's touching it. So I'm like blow drying his rat on the floor and I'm like putting it right in front of his face. And I remember Kyle the other night, he's like, isn't it so convenient, Popsicle, that the rat just dies right in front of your face <laughs> and you can just eat it? Like, 
Oh my god. Uh, so yeah, he's uh, he's a funny snake. Oh, I feel like I did a couple shout outs to some really good Canadian breeders, but I'm also very good friends with uh, Inks Lady Morphs out of Georgia. Uh, when Kyle and I got engaged, so we got engaged in December of last year. Thank you. So we ended up going from Canada to Florida. So we went for two weeks and we had never taught really like we had never met Cat and Row in person, anything like that. And they actually ended up driving from Georgia to Florida and like staying at our hotel with oh, us. Oh, cool. And we, yeah, we hung out with them. It was the first time. You know, it can be dicey when you meet up with people on the internet because you're not really <laughs> sure. Oh, it's going to No idea. Where your kidneys we like, are going to go. Yeah, like, we're like, okay, good good thing we got, like, separate hotel rooms, at least, just in case this goes south. Right. And we had such a great time with them. And, man, just the way that they, like, they talk about their snakes. And I've seen, you know, I've seen a ton of, like, behind-the-scenes footage of how they care for their animals and stuff now. Because we literally talk every single day. I don't think there's been a day that we haven't talked since that Yeah, she's in the, the women's breeder group online on Facebook and that's actually how I learned about you is that I follow her on Instagram and you guys did a live that you didn't end up posting because it was you talking about Billy. We, we did post <laughs> we did so that one we were just kind of like shooting the shit like what we did for the first like 10 minutes of this and then but we tied, okay we turned it on live so we kind of shot the shit live and then I was like yeah we probably just like shouldn't post this right but that's so. how i first that's how i first uh, like quote unquote met you or was introduced to you is that i follow her because we're in a, a facebook group and you guys went on a live and i watched it so that's pretty fun that you oh, guys sweet. got to meet up and go on vacation yeah it was awesome we met up like we went to like universal studios went to harry potter together <laughs> like riding the, the hogwarts express and uh, like yeah it was it was an amazing time and we we keep in touch with them all the time and i've actually got them on the nido virus train now oh good that's wonderful yeah they're they're like a smaller breeder as well but i know that they want to you know keep growing their collection and stuff and i said like start out now like do things right like absolutely nido test like all of your new ones that came in and they did they nido tested all of the new ones that came in and uh I think that we can definitely expect great things from them, not just because I'm personally friends with them. Just because they're very ethically minded and open minded and they care a lot about their animals. A lot. Like even because we were kind of having a discussion the other day about like when, you know, when you need to get rid of some of your ones that are just like rat eaters. Like they're just sitting in your collection doing nothing, just eating right. all your eating all right. your rats and costing you money. Yeah, the freeloaders. <laughs> I have a few of those, but they won't go anywhere. Yeah, the freeloaders. So she has some freeloaders, and then she was like, "Oh, but you know, I don't really want to get rid of this one because I love him." And how upset she was getting over like getting rid of this one snake. And I'm like, "Dude, I can tell that you love these things like just as much as all of us, all of us." You know what right. I mean? And it's like, okay to have a couple of freeloaders if you love them. Like that's what even I, if it's I, a business, I, like you can have pets that don't contribute pet. to your business. I told her I said pick ten freeloaders because that's pretty <laughs> much where we're at. Like we have like 
Oh my, like, Jube Jube's a freeloader. He's staring at me right now. <laughs> he's like, no, I'm not. Uh, he's a freeloader for sure. Like, what am I going to do with a lesser Angie? Like, good one, maybe 10 years ago. Right. Um, yeah, we are, like, each, each member of my family is allowed one freeloader. Oh, sweet. Yeah, you have to have a freeloader. And then, like, obviously, like, Mr. Fudge is a freeloader. And, like, Madam, I would never breed Madam. Like, I don't know. Who cares? Like, Black Bee. Meh. Yeah, no, then, like, pretty much all of them. <laughs> them. Except for the TSK Xanthics are freeloaders. And this new, like, high OD calico that I got is not going to be a freeloader. It's like, you need to go to work, eat the food. Right. <laughs> you have a job to do besides just being beautiful. Yes, you can't just look sexy. You have to go make sexy. Get to work. So. <laughs> That's what I say to my husband. <laughs> oh jessica's back <laughs> yeah. i'm back jessica are you okay over there you had to like take a little break from no i had to go to the banyo i didn't think i needed to announce but i can right now banyo <laughs> thought you had to take a little break after her uh, dick skin snake concert. oh no i love dick skin that's fine <laughs> take a cold shower yeah you sorry go ahead jessica no i think we're sort of wrapping up here uh yeah, i have to go get my kid more. yep i'm sure that like i can't even imagine people that make it to like however long we've been doing this like if you make it three hours into this podcast congratulations <laughs> you know what they deserve get... a gold star <laughs> vegas spoiled at the end though like right all the sad stuff was at the beginning the good the right. good juicy dick skin jokes stuff. are at the end so yeah so you, all the, you do all the have a massive instagram following do you have any instagram tips for people who are trying to grow i mean yours isn't a business per se you're more of an advocate for husbandry and other things right now but for people who are trying to grow their following who are trying to get out there in the ball python world how how did you do that or what tips would you give someone well half of my following really just came from snack the hissing booth i'll be honest because i got like well not half but I probably got like 7,000 followers just from that group when it was a thing um, because Jube Jube ended up becoming a meme in that group. And then he was just yeah, have past. seen his meme. Yeah, he's, yeah. he's passed around quite a lot. Yeah, he was he was like the meme lord of the group. That's why his name is Lord Jube Jube, because he was the he was the meme lord of the whole thing. Like he was literally the banner picture for like months. Lord Jube Jube with log like Lord Jube Jube had a whole arc where people were, like, making fanfic with him. Not weird fanfic, but, like... like, (laughs) I'm not even going to say weird fanfic. We all read fanfic. Oh, I know. I had to introduce Janet to fanfic, like, three episodes ago. I'm still trying it. I'm like... I was like, bitch, what are you doing? How did you get through high school? Send me some of your favorite fanfic. Yeah, but I'm into, like, yaoi. So, like, how how much of that are you interested in? I don't even know what that is. No, don't. We're not going there with this. Oh, sorry. Sorry. That's a whole other episode, When When one boy and another boy love them a lot. We're not going there in this podcast. A little bit. We go a little bit. Just the tip. (laughs) Um, But so, so, Jujube, people were writing, like, little, like, even comics with Jujube about, like, he had this log that was, like, way too small for him. And I eventually had to take it away because he kept getting stuck in it. But he was Lord of Log for the longest time. And we had people like drawing pictures of him like inside of his log. And like 
building up his snack army and like commanding all of the snacks to like overthrow the humans um, from from the comfort of his log. And then he would like sit because he would always periscope on this log too at night. So I have all these photos of him like periscoping. I was just gonna say on... I can think of the periscoping photo of him and his cute little face. Like that was yeah. passed around a lot on the internet and the groups. Yeah, so we had, like, him periscoping on the log, and then I ended up making, like, stickers and t-shirts of him on the log, and they say Lord of Log, and (laughs) the amount of t-shirts that were going out on the Lord of Log, that was pretty crazy. Uh, We have a red bubble, by the way, (laughs) that still has that up, if anyone would like a Lord of Log shirt. Um, All right, sweet. Yeah. Like the whole the whole following like for my to get the account off the ground because that's probably the hardest point for people, um, and that really got boosted by him being so popular in Snack the Hissing Booth, and then that group got shut down by Facebook, uh, and it's never got re- revitalized. So after that, you know, I just started posting like I tried to get really boopable photos of them, so like where they're their snoots are really cute looking where they're pointing Um, like towards the camera with like a yeah i like angle my phone like right under their snooters all these snakes are so good now they don't even care about me taking their photos because they're just like okay cool they're just Um, like admire me yes i'm beautiful (laughs) yeah pretty much so but you know i like i try to do a lot of good stuff for the community too and i think people like that so i try to do a lot of husbandry stuff um in a lot of my posts you know i'll talk about Like, here's, you know, the substrate or what you should do for, like, the best substrate for ball pythons. Or, like, here are some really good examples of larger hides for adult ball pythons. Because I know that people have a lot of trouble finding those if they want to do a PVC. Like, it's just, I try really hard to, like, cater to the care and the community with with the ball pythons. So I, I think people follow along because the snakes are really cute. And you can tell by my Instagram that the snakes aren't, they're not just snakes. Like they're, I'm very involved with them. And you can also tell that I don't really spare expense with my time on helping people. I'm always there answering questions, answering whatever people need me to talk about. Uh, I've had people ask me to make thermostat videos. So I've done that. Like pretty much anything that you that you would like me to do to help you with your snake, I will do besides me going to pick it up and taking it myself. <laughs> right. So you've been really accessible. Very like, and that's the whole thing. I feel like Jubejube and friends is just another, it's, it's literally my video game collectibles business, but snakes. I try to be very accessible to with, uh, with my collectibles business. Um, like it's, on Facebook, I think we have like 24, 25,000 people on Facebook for my business page too. And that's a business page where we're literally posting plush toys because I'm very active with, with my customers, asking them what, what Pokemon they would like to see. Um, and that's the same. I do the exact same thing with JubeJube. I'm like, hey, you know, like, who do you guys want to see next week? Or like, blah, blah, blah. So I would say just posting frequently and then being accessible to your fan base because you never know when a fan follower is going to turn into someone who becomes a client later on down the road right right and that's what a lot of um, breeders and things like that's their intention is to be visible and and available if someone wants to be a client or customer 
exactly. But then you also get breeders who just like, um, not that this was a bad transaction, but I was going to buy a snake, uh, from someone, um, who's pretty well known in the hobby. And I talked with them for a while and I said, you know, I'd like to buy the animal, but it's very expensive. Like it was going to cost me in the thousands. This isn't a cheapo snake. And I said, I would like to see a video of you taking it out of its tub. That's all I asked for. I said, video of you just reaching into its tub and taking it out. This lets me see a few different things. Number one, it lets me see the inherent temperament of the animal in its environment because you're entering its enclosure. Number two, it allows me to see what it's being kept in so I can replicate that as much as possible once it gets here so that it's more comfortable. And number three, it allows me to see the actual snake without filters and stuff in, in a photo on Morph Market. Right. So there's multiple different reasons why I ask for a quick video of the snake being taken out of the tub. And the person makes a video for me, but they make a video of them. It's like a six second video of them with the snake just on a table and then booping its face in so that it stays in the that position. And I said, well, to be fair, I asked you specifically, like, what I wanted. And I said, you've given me a video of you just, like, booping its face in. Like, that doesn't really show me the temperament of the snake. That doesn't really show me anything except what it looks like. And that, like, when you boop its face in, it'll stay in a ball on the table. Like, I said, it doesn't show me what I need to be shown for me to spend thousands of dollars. And then he told me that I would be better off buying a snake locally than buying from him if that's what I wanted. And I was like, you're willing to turn down thousands of dollars. Like, I didn't say anything. I just said, okay, that's right, cool. right. Have, a good, have a good one. Have a good, I don't want to have... do business with you if you can't make me a 10-second video of you taking the snake out of its tub. It's not that Which hard. Which you had to do anyway to make the video that you sent me. <laughs> exactly. I'm like, exactly. So I'm like, I don't see what the big deal of this was. To me, it's just, again, it's lazy customer service. And I don't want to be a client of someone who just has lazy or bad customer service. Like, no thanks. I want to establish really good relationships with the breeders that I that I have their animals because their animals are my family and they're important to me. So, you know, I'm like, I can't I can't very well go and be like, oh, yeah, you know, I'm going to just buy this snake off of this really crappy video then. Like, no, it just doesn't work that way. Right. Especially, you know. I don't want to put like a dollar amount on an animal's life equals a certain amount of whatever, but like it seems more and more obvious that they would be wanting to give better customer service for a higher dollar amount because then they're being paid for their time. You're just like, why wouldn't you want to? But what well, we like, dude, the snake was in the U.S., so it's like I have to import it into Canada. So I'm like, I have to go through the entire importation process. Like I have to pay in usd i'm like dude this is not going to be cheap at the end of the day like you can send me a 10 second video um again i wasn't rude about it i had already asked for it twice so the fact that they sent a different video and then they were like is this video okay i just replied back and i was like no that's not what i asked for um i really do want to see the video that i asked for and then they were like yeah you should just buy your snake locally it's like, well, I can't. <laughs> That's why I'm going to the U.S. because I can't buy it locally. But, you know, cool, cool story. 
Um, I said, yeah, cool. No problem. Have a good one. Like, I don't care. No hard feelings, but I'm just, I'm not going to deal with you. If you are, if you have bad customer service, like the end. Right. We get lots of bad customer service in the U S so much bad (laughs) customer service. Especially if you're talking about disease testing or anything biosecurity or oh you have a podcast and you're a karen fuck you i won't do business with you (laughs) like it's it's fun Uh. (laughs) well this is this is what like people wonder why justin like justin kabilka has so many followers it is not just the snakes that that guy is producing okay he will go out of his way to have him or one of his staff send you a message back he has like even um inks lady morphs i know that they wrote him because they were having a really hard time iding a clutch and they said this is like really really hard and we don't know and we don't want to sell these babies is the wrong things and he helped them out like it's not um he's known as being accessible to anyone in the community no matter who you are exactly it doesn't Look, I know time is money and everyone says that. This is coming from someone who, you know, I like money too. Everyone likes money. But you also need to understand that part of being a part of being in this hobby is the time that you're going to dedicate to to fellow keepers. Because the more t- the more people that we get in here and they're having a great time and they're really enjoying keeping and they've got healthy animals, like it just promotes the hobby in a good light. And that's the same with testing and stuff too. Like I remember when we had horses, we had to get like Coggins tests and stuff for them to do, um, like tr- to travel internationally. And we had to have a whole bunch of paperwork and there was always, you know, stuff going on with the horses to make sure, you know, that they didn't have communicable viruses. And we do this with dogs. Like we have like dogs that are I, I don't really know much about dogs but we have like parvovirus and like bordetella right. and like you know we do this with every other animal and i don't understand why the health of these animals is such a low priority to so many people in the community it boggles my mind i've said it before and i've said it again if you don't have the money to properly be in the hobby you need to take a step back and build until you have the money to properly be in the hobby Right. Absolutely. Right. You know, I shouldn't nickel and dime your quote unquote supposed ball python breeding collection that's supposed to make you millions of dollars. Animals are animals. We shouldn't be like, I understand people who are relying on this as a full time income. But if, if you want to rely on this as a full time income, I don't understand why you would do why you wouldn't do everything in your power to make sure that these snakes are healthy and they're going to be viable for you long term. Because if you you spend two or three years growing up a breeder female, I don't want my breeder female to die the first time it gets stressed out and lays a clutch and it's all mucusy and it's like having a having a terrible time. I mean, them becoming egg bound like them, you know, there's things that can happen and those things are unfortunately unavoidable and we have to deal with them in the moment. But with these other things that are completely avoidable and preventable and that could save your entire collection, I don't understand why we're not doing them. It's preventative maintenance to ensure that all highest priority. Exactly. You're ensuring that the investment that you've already made, because this hobby, if you do it correctly, is an extreme investment. Like 
not from from the racks that you're buying to the snakes that you're investing in to the food that you're bringing in every week or every two weeks for them. Um, everything with it is an investment. So wouldn't you want to protect that investment to the best of your ability? It right. seems Absolutely. like logically logical right. business sense to me part of part of your foundation is that they're healthy and going to be healthy long term it, it absolutely from this side of <laughs> ball python keeping is absolutely makes sense and it's very frustrating that you can't get people to see that or understand that logic but we do have more people who are coming in and figuring it out like even one of the large breeders that i talked to that are interested in testing their entire collection here. They were asking me like, what would the, what the best way to do that would be? What's the best way to document it and keep records to show clients? And like, should they be testing the babies before they go out? And I'm like, well, no, like the better way would be to test all the adults and then keep like paperwork records because the accession forms that like fish head and stuff sends you. What we do is we just keep adding snakes to that one accession form so we have in brackets beside each snake's name the their particular accession number and the last date that they were tested on and then we just keep adding to the list and then we have a whole record of all of the snakes that have been tested the dates that they were tested and that they've all popped negative it's pretty nice to be able to whip that out and be like here you go client here's uh jube jube who was paired with you know, Buckaroo over here, um, and negative, negative. Like we've got everyone in the whole collection negative. Yeah, we. So the stuff we get from Ral is a, a little bit different because it's like the sample and then what the animal's name and stuff is there, but like what tests were run at that time. So I end up keeping like a compiled spreadsheet of which animals were run on which day for which test and their statuses, and then the original PDFs from him. And it's not super convenient, but I'm hoping whenever Morph Market Not For Sale sort of expands and you can upload the PDF documents of like vet or medical tests to your for sale ads, it'll be more obvious that there's like a chain of, you know, three tests on this one over three years and two tests on this one over three years. And those were the parents. And so you could like document each one that way. That's perfect. Know. Or you know, you know what you could do. What every small business owner has, um, even for my small business with the plush toys, we have to keep all of our import invoices and stuff. Like everything's coming into Canada, so it all it, it has a paper trail. It's called get a file cabinet and <laughs> like buy one and like get like a shitload of folders. Like I don't care. Go to like AliExpress and get five thousand of them, or like go to Uline or like wherever you go. Get a bunch of folders write your snake's name on it and then write the morph and if it's like you know male or female like 1.0 or 0.1 like whatever you want and then put its morph when it was born for us we we just know the years um so we just list the year stick everything for that particular snake into its file folder if you've ever had to take it to the vet all of its vet paperwork goes into that file folder put everything alphabetical in your filing cabinet you can pull it for any client that's coming over to pick up a snake. Right. Here's a whole file folder. Here's how much of a shit I give here. Like, I don't care how many snakes you have. It's not that hard to leaf through an alphabetical file folder. Like do it, do it by. Yeah. And you can do this without even printing it out. You could make like digital copies and like split the PDFs up 
and sort them there's, that way. It's, there's yeah. so many ways to do it. It's yeah. like there's so many ways to do it so that you can be organized. Um, I don't know. I don't know how people run businesses and they're just like all willy nilly with everything. And then like their tax time comes around. They're like, oh, my God, I owe like $20,000. And you're like, what is happening? Um, I don't get it. I don't get how you can be that disorganized when you're running a small business. Like everything has a paper trail. So, um, yeah, I just same with like things. look forward to like getting Morph Market. I know Morph Market had an explicit sort of protesting position that they had to roll back. But like once we get like the tacit uh, testing sort of enthusiasm, because they give us a spot to be like, hey, look, here's three negative tests over three years. And it's on the ad that's the evidence I have for the quality of the snake. People are going to start looking at him and be like, oh. Because I write in, like, I tested this male because he's finished with me at this date and he was negative by this lab. But that, yeah. but maybe that's not enough for people. Maybe they, if they physically look at the the reports, maybe that'll trigger something in their brain. Because my, like, terms of service is covered in, like, biohazard information and what my guarantees are and how many days you have to test before needing to send it back if it's a positive or whatever. But most people still don't give a shit. They don't read any of that. They're no, just like, they don't, they don't care. Yeah. Like, so like, I mean, that's like a value add. I've like given you time to test and I've told you how much testing I've done to this animal and its parents or whatever. Most people don't care. They just want to get $200 off because they're cheap. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, you know, I think you will start to find more people that do care, though. I was actually kind of floored when when uh, I bought the snake yesterday, and he was like, I've never had anyone ask me for this before. And Whoa. I was like, holy shit. Really? Yeah. So I've had I people like, message me to, like, thank God you, you do this or whatever. But that's probably one it, in 20 or something. It just... It just and he, oh, he was super good. Like it wasn't it wasn't anything. He was just surprised because no one's really brought it to him before. And I said, um, it just kind of made me think. Like it's it, it's just he he's like one of the bigger guys. Like he had beautiful animals. Obviously, that's why I got one. Um, there there's just so many people who still don't know about it. And because for him to have not been asked not once, and he's been doing this for a long time. Like I'm sure because he has boas as well and he was uh he was talking to me about arena virus and stuff he was very fluent on that but with the ball pythons i feel like people just it's just really by the wayside they're just like oh cool a ball python they bring it home but i don't get it man like some of these ball pythons are like twenty thousand dollars how are we not doing it i don't know we just have to change the culture yeah the boa people are correctly scared of arena virus and are sort of primed to be ready to be scared about Nido and willing to do the right things to work through it. Mm-hmm. Not all boat people. A lot of boat people fucking suck. Let me not be clear. But but more boat people know that arena virus is a problem and is worth testing for. And so are ready to, to do what's right. Future Jessica here. We again had a terrible failure and the last five minutes or so of the audio file are missing which sucks but we just went on to talk about a little bit more uh of boa people maybe being more open to testing because they've been sort of sensitized to the issues of contagious diseases and then we said our goodbyes and thank kayla for coming on thank you kayla 
you can reach out to her if you want at jubejube the snake on instagram that's pretty much your only place and you can always reach us at the whole back right podcast on instagram thank you for listening hopefully i'll figure obs out or i'll throw it in the trash i'm not sure all right see you later guys bye <laughs>